Hello, uh, how are you? Welcome to another episode of Last Exit to Brooklyn. This is Tom McCaffrey. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Before I start, I have a couple of things to plug. Um, please watch my movie, Adventures in Comedy, which is on available on streaming, online, VOD services or outlets. Uh, Hulu, primarily. Watch it on that. Janine Garofalo's in it, Margaret Cho, uh, Michael Che from SNL, Jim Gaffigan. I'm in it. A lot of great people. Um, and please buy my album, Adventures in Comedy. Please buy my hip-hop album that just dropped. Streets Aren't Watching. <laughs> it's pretty badass. Um, so, speaking of my movie, I, um, I was at the Annapolis Film Festival about two and a half weeks ago, and uh, I screened my movie, and my guest I actually met there, it's, uh, his name's Joe Newmeyer, and he's the chief critic for the New York Daily News, chief movie critic for the New York Daily News, and also movie critic for WOR Radio. That's right. Right? That's, That's right, right, right? That's right. That's right. Those two things. Plus... You know, I show up at various places doing Q and A's, and I'll walk down the street and just review something if people ask me. Really? <laughs> yeah. Or just judging things. Just judging the right. That's that guy, what I do. That guy's shirt should be too. Should be more red. That's not too much blue in that. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the the the, <laughs> the perils of being a critic. You, you criticize everything. Yeah, I want to. Okay, so that's the first thing I want to talk to you about. Um, so, how did you become a film critic? When I was seven, I was adopted by a group of film critics in Tibet okay. and trained so in the art. The usual way. <laughs> the usual way. Yeah. Wandered the land. <laughs> Whenever I saw Kurosawa or Billy Wilder in trouble, I... Uh, now, and they encourage you to just judge things. That's right. That's right. You judge everything. I'm actually... I'm the, the, the guy that everybody sort of mocks because I... Like, when I was 14, I loved movies. I loved writing. I would write, you know, little stories or, like little novelizations of Star Trek or Twilight Zone episodes or something. And uh, and so I wanted to combine those two. So when I was in high school, there was a high school newspaper in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I grew up. And uh, and I started writing film reviews in October of 1982. I was 14 years old. Mm -hmm. And the first movie I ever reviewed was called My Favorite Year with uh, Peter O'Toole. A great movie, actually. Still one of my favorites. Is that about, isn't that about someone? A true story, kind of? It's vaguely based on uh, Errol Flynn. Right, and, right. And uh, appearances on your show of shows uh, in the 1950s, the Sid Caesar show. And so this is a this kind of a fictionalized version of it. And he's just like a crazy alcoholic? Crazy alcoholic, ex-movie star who it has to be shepherded around town by a young writer uh, played by Marklin Baker for uh, Oh, for right. Show. He yeah. was not Perfect Strangers? Right, yeah. So this th that was in 1982, and that was the first movie I reviewed, and my... I remember my editors, actually, at the high school newspaper, thought that I was cribbing these reviews from places. They would look at Newsweek or Time. Like they were too good? Yeah, they were too good. They were wondering, what, where is he stealing them from? And I wasn't stealing them from anything. I was just the, you know, the savant that, uh, that loved movies and wanted to write about them. So I did that all through high school. And then when I got to college, also in Milwaukee, I wrote for all sorts of different publications in, around in Milwaukee, like uh, you know, alternative newsweeklies and things like that. Yeah. And I did a radio thing uh, at a jazz station. And then I started writing for some freelancer for the Milwaukee Sentinel, which was the, the AM newspaper in Milwaukee back when there were AM and PM right, right. division. And, uh, and so uh, my first review for them was uh, Vim Vendor's uh, Wings of Desire. And that was a, a cool movie to kind of have as my first one. They put my, you know, four stars yeah. or something in the ad in Milwaukee, in the Milwaukee newspaper. And then uh, I moved to New York in 1992 and started freelancing around 
Uh, and how did you do that? Would you just, would you just contact places? Yeah, and? I was an intern at Premier Magazine. Remember Premier oh, Magazine? Oh, right, yeah, we talked Premier about Magazine. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I was an intern there starting in 92. And uh, and from and I would just kind of write for anything. around any, any If Premier needed a little thing written, I'd be I'd volunteer to do it. Like, what was one of your first things you wrote? My first thing, one of the first things that I wrote was actually about the music in Cameron Crowe's Say Anything. Um, it was like a small little uh, item about about the uh, all the music that was placed in there and all the musicians that were in there. Oh, what did you, like you were dissecting? Yeah, I just kind of said like, you know, because Cameron Crowe at the time was known for great music in his movies. Uh, right. And so, oh, I'm sorry, no, it wasn't Say Anything. It was Singles. I apologize. It was mm. Singles. Look at that. Another great movie, though. Yeah, Fun because movie. that soundtrack yeah. was like a bit, I loved that soundtrack. Yeah, so that was Singles. That was like 1993. Th- th- two or three, two or I think. Three, yeah. And so I wrote something about that and I talked to Cameron Crowe for it. And so that was for premiere. And then, uh, then I wound up at Entertainment Weekly on staff there as an associate editor and wrote for the video section there in the mid-90s. And the video section, what do you like, things that were coming out on video? Yeah, things okay. were coming out on video. Such an odd concept I at this know, point. I know, right now, 20 years later, you think, what's that? Uh, but I also, like, I worked at a video store uh, in Milwaukee when I was a teenager, so I would, I'd see everything. Everything that, you know, I'd put things on, on the TV uh, in 1987, 88, when I was behind the counter. So I just, all this stuff was kind of running through my brain at all times. Right. And this was before the internet, so before IMDb or any of that stuff. And I'd be sitting there reading Leonard Malton guides or Roger Ebert, you know, video guides and having, you know, the class of Newcomb High or right, right. Paradise or the Blue Lagoon or whatever, like running up was on Was Paradise that. the one, was that the Blue Lagoon knockoff? <laughs> that was the Blue Lagoon With knockoff. Phoebe Cates? Amazing that you know that, yes. Phoebe Cates and Willie, and Willie Ames. Ames. Right. <laughs> so How did that not, not hit? <laughs> I don't know. So I'd have that stuff going like in my in my head all the time, and uh, and then I wound up at the Daily News in in two thousand and three. I had been at like the New York Times. I had written some things for them and some things for uh, USA Today Weekend, and I left EW in like two thousand. And then I've been uh, the chief film critic at the paper since two thousand and eight. And how did you become the chief film critic? Like they were like, well, I was actually I was the Sunday film. I was the Sunday editor prior to that and I was a film reporter there and it was all my background you know I'm sort of I'm the guy who can do nothing except movies like, so you know I'm not television I'm not music I have an appreciation for that stuff but you know film is really the the area that I was uh, that I'm most comfortable in really yeah and so the the spot opened up and an editor there gave me the uh, the slot and said is this a job you'd want to do and I said it's a job I'd love to do I've been aiming for since I was 14 and uh, I'm very lucky and then I have been at WOR for two years how did you how did that start they just were like what at the daily news W-O-R. W-O-R. You know, I had been doing Friday morning call-ins. Um, I've done that a lot. I've, you know, in addition to like, doing TV, I do radio. And they had called me, like, on a, they said, do you want to be available tomorrow, like on a Friday, to talk about some some movie that was coming out? And I said, sure. So that became a regular gig. It was really great. Yeah. And on Friday mornings with them. And then uh, and then it sort of, at a certain point, they approached me and said, would you want to do this W-O-R movie minute? Uh, so that I, you know, record something coming out that weekend and my review of it. And uh, and so I do that now during the week and it runs like Thursday through Sunday. And it's great because like, you know, in a, in a, in a review, in a full length newspaper review, you've got plenty of space to write and the internet obviously even more. But in radio, like to re- really write for for the radio to write for your voice as opposed to being read right. is a different art. And, uh, and, and you don't have as much time, right? Yeah, you've got to keep it concise to one minute. So in fact, it's sort of, it's like a, it's a cool muscle that I haven't had a chance to exercise previous to this. So it's really cool to be able to do that. When, and w- when is that on? That's on like, it starts, I think they start airing them Thursday morning and it runs all the way through Sunday night. So like the whole week, whole weekend, essentially. So uh, being, all right, so today. being a, cr- a critic, yeah. a film critic. Um, I, really, I think the hat that you have on, by the way, should be. 
<laughs> turned around. I don't like it. Now just do you not like it. No, no, oh, exactly. joke. Right? Yeah, I'm criticizing. Right. Well, One thing about that's I want the to shirt say, you want to wear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you should. Um, yeah, I was going to say you should roast people right, right. <laughs> like at their funerals. Right. I do in my head all the time. Um, it's like I have a joke about when people are sad. That's saying I wouldn't be caught dead in that. Yeah. It's kind of like it's it's assuming that implying that the person who finds your body is this judgmental right. asshole. So like, <laughs> if you die, you don't want like a film critic right. to find you. That's right. What I love though is nice you just shirt. roast people at their funeral. Yeah, so exactly. Like, like there's a roast, and the, like normally <laughs> most people keep those two events separate. Exactly. Like, you yeah. combine them. I well, like do you remember that. that movie Amazon Women on the Moon? I love that. Movie. Do you remember the Invisible Man, the son of the Invisible Man in that? Ed Begley like, Jr. Yeah. yeah, where he's not really invisible. Right, right. and he's grabbing the phone. He's like, you ever seen a shirt? Make a phone call. Yeah, and they're like, <laughs> they're pretending he's invisible right. or not. Oh, there must be an invisible man here. Yeah, Look, yeah. The glass moved. Right, they're kind of putting up with him. That was like <laughs> kind of funny, but it was like, it would be like five horrible sketches right. and then one pretty good one. Well, that was the in the 80s because of the Zucker's, Abraham Zucker's movies. Those were, you know, the thing because of Airplane. Yeah. So those guys were from Wisconsin too, the Zaz guys. And because of that format that they that they made popular there was a lot of stuff in hot shots and all this. some of those were they were involved with yeah but some of them were just either knockoffs or just sort of well that was like wasn't it amazon woman on the moon wasn't it the kentucky fried movie guys yeah it was it was some of those guys it was and john landis had something to do with it i like john landis i think john landis is underappreciated really yeah i actually think that a lot of comedy that came after john landis like in the 90s and even even now owes a big debt to him because if you look at Animal House, obviously. Well, definitely, yeah. yeah but also e- e- Blues Brothers, American Werewolf in London, the combined, which is obviously combines horror. And wow, yeah, and that's a great trading movie. places. Which, yeah, wow, he yeah, did do a lot of. He did, and and uh, you know the the new recent and horrible Will Ferrell movie, uh, Get which- Hard is terrible, but it has a lot of comparisons to trading places in it. Actually, I was thinking that when I was watching wow. it at the way beginning. That's right. and Because um, when, when he's like the snooty guy. Yeah. And when you watch it, I mean, you, sort of when you see trading places, there's moments when it gets really wacky, but there's an elegance to trading places that I think people don't appreciate now, and I, or maybe didn't even appreciate then. But I think when you look at it now, especially compared to something like Get Hard, I mean, it's it looks like you know Tootsie or something. It's no, so, it's a it's, it's trading places well is great. Yeah, and a big part of it. I mean, not, <laughs> I'm really going to go on a limb here and yeah, tell right, people right. Eddie Murphy is like really good <laughs> in it. I yeah. think that guy had a future. Yeah, had. But <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah. he's not funny anymore. Right. He refuses funny. to be funny. When you look at that movie, you really you wonder about the career that kind of could have been. But although, I mean, there were. I mean, Landis also did Coming to America, which he's very good. Oh at. my God! Wow, yeah. John Landis did do a lot of like and Three Amigos, which is a huge. He did do that. Hit. Yeah, people love Three Amigos. I think he also did Beverly Hills Cop Three or he something. Did, that was when yeah. it was over. I mean, I mean. To be honest, I mean, right? Like since the since coming to America, it's been a fallow period for yeah him. those eighties movies. Though you can't, in terms of comedy, you can't fault. It's them. really amazing to watch that happen. These like kind of like, and it's not just with comedy. Like these comedic icons who yeah. were so great, kind of lose yeah. what they had. Yeah. Like, and you're kind of like, you don't know what's happening to, right. in their lives because all you I think is like. I'm like, why can't he be funny anymore? Like, why? What if has he lost? Yeah. And something like Eddie Murphy. Um, and I've read articles about yeah. this where people are like, Eddie Murphy just won't be funny anymore. Yeah. And he's, it's almost like he, like, did you see when but he went on the SNL reunion? I did, I did. But you know, but he also won't be serious either. Like Dream Girls, he's really good in Dream Girls. And, yeah. uh, and, and he, you know, 
he wouldn't do it. He dropped out of the Richard Pryor biopic. That yeah, was, years ago, right? Yeah, well, actually, just recently, like it's sort of within the last few few months, it's sort of it's been kind of gelling again. And he was, he was going to be he, in it. Again? He was going to play his father. I think he was going to play oh. his father. I believe. So is that falling apart again? I'd have to look up on it. No, I think it's going. It's on, with it's, Mike Epps. Yeah, it's going now. I forget who's in it, but it but it's it's got a it's got uh, it's got some steam again. I went to. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What no, were you no, saying? I was just going to say, but the thing about I think about comedians in film about film comics. And I think it's sort of true of directors. I think a lot of things have to gel for them. It has to be the right moment for them. It has to be the right project. It has to be the right script. I think they have to sort of feel like a, a fire in their belly or something. Right, right. And I think because everybody, I think everybody's got. You've talked in this show before about like Bob Clark, the guy who did Porky. Yeah, and yeah. And uh, and I think everybody's got. I think everybody's got a good movie in them. Bob Clark made a Christmas Story, which is terrific. Right. But then he also did From the Hip and Porky's and a lot of junk. Yeah. And I feel like everybody's got a a, a good movie in them if it's the right project if the script is right it's like it's everything right has to kind of come together yeah and now my my little experience in filmmaking i've definitely experienced that where you're kind of like so there's so many things out of your control that you're like i hope you're shooting something you're like i hope this is good hope this is by the way the moment where i, I plug your movie because it's really very funny I, oh yeah I'm not thank just you. saying that because i was offered brownies yeah uh, yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it's really your movie is very funny and it and uh, laugh i really I, I think that laughter like genuine laughter for me at a comedy is very rare because so many comedies, you are a hard laugh you said I am, yeah because it doesn't uh though that sounds like the title of a will ferrell right 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 hard laugh um it, I think, let's hope so <laughs> That's going to be hilarious. I think um, I guess so. So much is in the editing. So much is in the moment. So much is in the persona of of people. And so many comedies, by the time they hit the screen, feel just like they've been through the grinder. Right. Right. Uh, um, so you did like it? I did like your film. Yeah. It's cool, I just want to get that on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah on yes, record, yeah, yeah. Jeremiah from Chief Critic <laughs> from the Daily New York Daily News. I, I won't tell you how many stars, but yeah. No. Twenty I, I, stars. Twenty stars. Twenty. <laughs> um, and did you? Uh, what uh did did you like a lot of the other movies at the fest? Did you see a lot of movies at the Annapolis Film I, Festival? I saw, That's where we met at, at, at Annapolis Film yeah, Festival. Yeah, we were did you have a good time? I there? had a great time. That was a great festival. They're only like in their that's their third annual festival and and whenever you're at a film festival and it's third or fourth year, it's really it can be touch and go because they are going through growing pains a little bit. And right. that was I was really impressed by how I thought it was amazing. Were. Like yeah. they treated us so well. So well. And, and like you could tell, you know, this girl I'm dating came and she was like, there seems like there's a lot of money in this. Well, it was well put together. It was really thoughtful. They put together in a very thoughtful way. And um, I mean, and not that, you know, film fest, some film festivals are put together without thought. But I think that when you're in your third year, you can you can or third or fourth year, whatever you can you can fall. A film festivals can fall into. Um, a bit of a, of a lazy thing, or they can sort of give up easily. That right, right. And they really seem to do their best. I saw a few good things. I, your film, though, was really great. I saw Five to Seven, which I liked. Yeah, that was good. Movie. Yeah, I like that. And uh, and this film, Gabriel, that uh, is really terrific. Yeah. I really liked it. Did you really like that? I did. I, I thought, saw that. I saw your Q&A with, him, with yeah. Rory Culkin and... Um uh, James Howe. That's right. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it was really terrific. And it, it, it reminds me that film reminds me of a of a Salinger short story in some ways. It's really uh, yeah. I was going to say it seemed Catcher in the Rye ish. Not that you're saying it's like Catcher in the Rye. No, but no, no. But I but it has the same sort of feel to it. And there was it, sort of a Holden Caulfield ish. Yeah, exactly. To him, exactly. Um, and the, just the fact, yeah, there's parts where he's kind of wandering New York yeah, City. Yeah, and it, and it, and also there's I mean you're very inside that character in a way that uh, that very few films 
bring, do. They, they, it's hard to get inside of a character's head without voiceover. There's also no voiceover in there, which is a, a great thing. Um, too many films use voiceover as an easy crutch. And, uh, and you're really sort of with Culkin's character uh, in a way that you're not with a lot of other characters in other movies, and it does it very seamlessly and very, very uh, intuitively. It's great. Yeah, he was really good. And I, I, it's funny, I hadn't seen him since, like, Signs. Yeah. I mean, I know he's done stuff, but I, it was weird to see him like as an adult now. Yeah. Because um, he's in, he's really good in signs, yeah. and he's really good in. Um, you can count on me. Yeah. And then and then when he got older, he did a movie called Twelve, which is based on a, a uh, novel that's also really good. And his brother Kieran is also really good. Yeah, it's weird. Like, his, Igby goes down. Yeah, yeah. Igby goes down. Yeah. Um, is Kieran still doing things? He still think, is, right? Yeah, he's still doing some things. He was kind of like a hot up and coming guy for a while. He was like around the time of of Igby goes down. Yeah, yeah that was the big one. Two thousand eleven. So yeah, so I saw some good stuff there, and it was uh, it was great. And uh, but you know, it's, I hardly ever see any really good comedies. Like I was saying, I think that um, uh, you know this this season is a bad season anyway for movies. This this spring has been terrible. yeah, just um, for comedies or movies in for general. movies in general. I think it's been a really bad. I think people are just waiting for the Avengers to you know kickstart things because it's been right. horrible. I um, can't. I don't. Do you like those movies? I do, <laughs> uh, but I do with a, with a like a caveat because. Um, I mean, obviously, like, you have to sort of invest so much in them, and you have to kind of pay attention. Who did what in Captain America 17, and then who met who in Iron Man 55? Right. You know? So you kind of have to be – They, it's kind of a trick that they do where they really make you go to all these movies or at least sit through them so that you can know what's going on with them. But I will say after seeing Avengers, the first Avengers, again, just recently, there's an innocence to that to that movie for all of the sort of everybody wants to be dark, like the Dark Knight, everybody wants to be grown up. Um, and this new movie seems like it's sort of ratcheting up the, the series. The darkness. The darkness. But the, but the first Avengers movie, I mean, I read comics in the 70s, you know, when I was a kid. I think I stopped reading them, like, when I was 12, when I discovered girls you know it's like yeah I, I, but but reading those comics in the when you're anywhere from like five to ten like that whole like i'm a good guy gonna save the world kind of thing right right is there and a lot of these movies don't have that but the avengers does and i think for a lot of kids out there obviously 10 12 year old kids like media is so is so dark anyway to even have those movies out there that sort of present it in a nice way is, is right nice. right that's a good point the, the thing i don't like about all these superhero movies is you know, it's just kind of like <laughs> I feel like it's always the same thing. Like An origin story, a villain. Well, uh, I just can't like. Th- there's so m- there's only so many times you can kind of make it. S- there's always a scene where the superhero is getting beaten up right. really and, badly, and, and you're back. like, well, yeah, and you're like, oh my god, they're gonna lose, and then they get s- and then like they get strong again right. somehow. Yeah, like right. you're like, oh my god, he got strong again, uh, and he beat him up yeah. worse. It, it is all this. Like I can't see Uncle Ben die again in another Spider-Man movie. Like well, they, I can't do it. I, I, the therapy I know. costs the cost of the therapy <laughs> will do too much. I've seen him die twice on film now. I can't do it again. Well, what what did you? I mean, what did you think of that when they just started coming out with new Spider-Mans like nine or years Hulks later? Or new Hulks? Like the Hulk? Like they did the oh. Ang Lee did his Hulk in two thousand three, and they were like, you know what? That sucked. Let's let's do another one. When so did they, they reboot that? Five years later. So it's that's like, insane. It is insane. Imagine they did that with just normal movies like Goodfellas. They just came out with another Goodfellas like five years later. There's another one. There was actually a, a great Onion uh, editorial and op-ed by the Hulk right after uh, Hulk the, the Ang Lee Hulk came out. That, that said, why no one want make Hulk two? Yeah, <laughs> it was by the Hulk, and he's like, no one want make Hulk two. Hulk one, 
artistic failure but box office smash they uh so and they never did it they never wait who was in the second hole ed norton was it edward norton and then didn't he didn't they like hate him or something well he didn't want i don't think he wanted to do i think he had a con uh, he didn't want to do avengers he didn't want to do avengers they got mark so they finally got it right they got mark ruffalo um yeah he's great he is great and a lot of those you know the key to a lot of these things is casting too yeah like would you care about iron man if it if ed norton had done iron man no no i feel like edward norton seems like a real like sad sack he is you know like he takes himself too serious like he, yeah. he's I've, I've read a million yeah. interviews where he's just like or i've read things where people yeah. are like yeah he said he hated this movie yeah. he, i mean i think he takes it so like around the time of american history x when he sort of helped with that movie he's in it and then he couldn't help the completion of it and the you know oh he got like in the editing yeah, process he did. i think that kind of got him but you know he directed he did a great movie. job he by did. the way i'm just kidding I, that movie kind of i don't like that movie he, me neither it's okay you know what he did a great job on though is a very obscure 2000 um romantic comedy called uh uh, defending the faith, uh, and it's called with Ben Stiller. Yes, Ben Stiller and Jenna Elfman. And, yeah, yeah, and it's great. Jenna Elfman is, you know, uh, Ben Stiller is a is a studying to be a rabbi, and right. Norton himself didn't like Edward Norton co-write that. He did. You no, know, he co-wrote it and he directed it, and he's in it, and he plays a, a guy who's studying for the priesthood, and then they they both reconnect with their ch- both their, their mutual childhood crush, played by Jenna Elfman, who right, in real life right. is a Scientologist. So it kind of makes yeah, the triumvirate of religion next. all all. T- oh. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think about so, that. Yeah, you got a Jew, a Catholic, and a Scientologist walk into a romantic comedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but it's really good. It's really terrific. Is it really? Yeah, yeah it is. It's really good. Yes, I, I'm a, I'm a, I, I I've seen part of it. Yeah. I saw like the ending of it. Yeah, it's really good. Um, Scientology. You want to talk about? I well, I want to talk about. Well, first, I want to ask you this: like being a so being a film critic, have you? Is there pressure to like? Like that, you have to not like everything because you're really into movies. Yeah. Is there a thing where you're like, well, I just can't love everything, you know? No. But you probably do. You see, yeah. how often do you see movies that you really love? I mean, the reality is, I see like seven to ten movies a week, and really love is I'm lucky if I like while we're young I really love that the new Noah Baumbach film yeah I saw that that was like the first thing I've loved in about like four or five months like since the holiday Christmas season so I, I see like uh, something I love like once every five months really it's like you know boyhood or you know the last Planet of the apes movie Dawn on the Planet of the apes I love yeah that. yeah you really uh, like that can you wait can you just hold them like a little closer sure. so it's my kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. so uh, so I see something I really love like five times a month I see most things are like eh. I'm not under pressure to like or dislike things or feel like I need to balance it out but I will say that that seeing so much just product like seven to ten movies a week you both your you both your bar gets lowered for something that's really good so something that's sort of mediocre you might think oh that's pretty good you know right right but then also you I just get very impatient with movies that are not living up to their potential in any sort of way. So something that could be a two-star, we work on a five-star system at the Daily News. Right. It's something that could be like normally a two-star movie if if it had done a little few things differently. Like what's um, an example of that recently? Like recently there was a movie called Last Nights that with it's an obscure little thing with Morgan Freeman and uh and Clive Owen and it's a Oh wow, I didn't even movie, hear as that. As the title will will let you know, it's about knights and it sort of feels games of throne like Game of Thrones. Right. But it also feels like Dune and it, and it's pretty bad. And had it done a few things differently, you know, had it had a more coherent story if it had characters you really cared about, if it had sort of a linear line from A to B, 
I would have I would have been a little bit more generous with it, but as it is, it's just a mess, and it feels like it was sort of written by eleven year olds. So I gave it one star because it's really terrible. Right? Did that was did that have a theatrical? release? It had a VOD release, and then it was in one theater here in New York. Oh, so, uh, okay. Yeah, so we, I, I, but I, I would have given it. Yeah, I would have been a little more generous towards it. But what's a um, what, what's a movie you've given? Have you ever given no stars? Yeah, I gave a couple of zero stars. I think recently I, Jupiter Ascending. I think I gave that one star. I gave Jupiter Ascending. Oh, I gave Hot Tub Time Machine zero stars the second one the second one yeah the, the first one i gave four stars to and then the second one i hated so much it almost was it put me back in a time machine and i wanted to go back in time <laughs> yeah. and take away the four stars that i gave to the first one that i really liked because the sequel is trash it's so well, awful what, what, what is, i haven't said what is so bad about it it's, if you, you know, it's quick easy easy jokes dumb jokes just a lot of like you know guys getting kicked in the balls type jokes right and, right and uh and it didn't have any imagination to it john cusack's not in it he was smart that way right kept his kept his name off of this one and uh and so and it's just not funny it's just a, a shambling mess and it's made by the same guy steve pink who did the yeah. first one but the first one had the other thing here's the biggest thing the, the second one sort of had no reason to exist the first one had an idea which was that guys like our age who grew up in the 80s right like there's a real sort of romance and and melancholy you have to the mid 80s and to your high school years right right and it's that kind of classic thing of like it's like a twilight zone thing of like what if i could go back and do this one thing differently my whole life would be different yeah because at the beginning one of them is like tried to kill himself yeah. so it's kind of like they're not they're very like disenchanted with their lives that's right that's right and then so they go this back. it's better and this one is just why do they go back they're just like they, go, want and, they actually things. go to the future they actually go to the future and it's sort of like a like a back to the future two type thing oh. the future is this whole dystopian thing and they have to change I think it's terrible. i was gonna see it but then like like every review was just horrible, it, including mine. I gave it zero. It's horrible, so I gave um, that zero stars. And then um, you, I just saw uh, while while we're young yeah. yesterday, yeah, the best and you really liked that. Loved it. I gave it five stars, and yeah, and I really smart. liked it too. Yeah, it's um, funny, isn't it? People don't think it's going to be as funny as it is. I think. Yeah, it's funny, but it's also very, and it, it is one of those things where it really hit home with me, which mm-hmm. was, it was very, um, I was very affected by it. It yeah. was a little depressing because of that, because they're kind, they're supposed to be almost exactly my age or like right. a few years older. Yeah, like 43 or 44. Yeah, yeah. And like, but they're going through a lot of the things that I feel like it is a weird thing where like from 38 to like 41, yeah. something does happen. You're not even aware of right. You like hit the time warp. You're like, right. like something does change and you're yeah. almost not. And then it was kind of one of those moments. I'm like, wow, things have like changed. And yeah. cause it's about like they, yeah, they're like, Sort of disenchanted with where they're. He's working on a documentary for like ten years. It's kind of like he, his own like Chinese democracy thing that he can't like <laughs> yeah. finish. Well, I think that everybody says that American adolescence you know goes now into like your mid twenties. You know, nobody can afford to leave home and things like that. So you're sort of an ad- and even and culturally, everyone's playing video games or whatever. So you're 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 at, you're an adolescent until you're like twenty six, as opposed to like when you watch movies from the fifties and they're like. 20 years old and they've got families houses and houses and, and cars yeah. and they've just returned from the war or something like that. So, yeah. so, so now if adolescence goes to like 26, realistically, you're sort of like still in your, in your early adulthood by 30 at 36 or 38. So 40 right. is the, is the cutoff point. And this movie does a great job of pointing out the, the difference philosophically between a 45 year old, let's say, and, a, and the 25 year olds played by Adam driver and Amanda Seafried. Right. Because they don't, we were just talking about this before we turned on the mics. It's, um, the great thing about the movie, in, in a lot of ways, is that it looks at how slippery 
uh, ethics can be and 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 your point of view is between twenty at twenty years. Yeah, ago yeah, is a huge difference. And so there, he's a Ben Stiller's a documentary filmmaker as right. Adam Driver, and because Adam Driver grew up in the era of like we were just saying YouTube and and sampling and lots of things on the, being appropriated in the internet and right. reality TV truth and reality to him is a very it, there's no borders it's a very th- uh, thin line between things and ben stiller is a different era and a different kind of documentary filmmaker and says no the the truth is the truth there's yeah. no you can't there's no fudging yeah. anything about it yeah because um, he's kind of fudging and i guess it was kind of a big commentary on yeah documentary mm-hmm. films now and how they've become that way like a lot of document documentarians who are young now were just kind of like well I got to the story this way, right, but right. It's, they're kind of lying. It's like, well, it's not important. It's just kind of the story is what's important. It's what you leave out. I mean, it's almost a little bit like this this Durst thing with uh, on HBO. Oh yeah, like what Robert you leave Durst. out. Yeah, so it's like what you leave out, and when you sort of decide to put it in the movie. I mean, you can documentarians can manipulate your understanding of of the facts just simply by the way things are edited or put together. I mean, it doesn't have to even be a sort of a political point of view like Michael Moore or Morgan Spurlock or things like that. You can you can sort of control things that way. That's why, and that's what the stiller character is saying he's saying that no you know you, you have an obligation to tell the story as it is and you're documenting it and adam driver's right. character is he's eh. and it's kind of like the, the one thing that's cool about it is that um it doesn't it's showing how life doesn't work out the way it yeah, should that's right that's you know right. like because he's right yeah. ben still and he kind of exposes him i mean but like yeah, yeah. everyone's just like well so like no one cares anymore no one cares. everyone's just like shoulders, well yeah. like the industry is kind of like and i've experienced this in comedy where it's like well who cares like yeah. this guy he's giving us a product that we think is good and, right. and will make us money so in the end yeah. in the at the end of the day who gives a shit if it's not real your your comment that you when you described your movie to me before i saw it you, you said it's sort of like you kind of had kind of almost a, a tough way of describing because you're like oh, it's a documentary but it's also a mockumentary and what i actually really like about your movie is that the stuff that you've got in there that's about you and your travails and meeting with your agent and all this stuff is obviously all it's you're mocking the the whole business of comedy and the life of the comedians and then you have inter, interstitial interviews with Janine Groffalo and Jim Gaffigan yeah, and all yeah. sorts of people who are giving very honest answers straightforward they're not they're not goofing they're saying what this is what it's like and this is their perception of the comedy world and this is what their career was like or whatever and so it is kind of a, a, a tough line to to mix but you do it really well oh thanks yeah cuz that was um well, and I remember when I was actually talking to you and then another film critic who was there and you guys were saying that how, you know, that thing of we're documentary filmmakers now, we're like fudge things, yeah. that it's not really completely accurately true, yeah. but they just present it that way. Yeah. And then a lot of these film festivals kind of just fall for it. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, I should have just said mine was a documentary. Yeah, and you guys were like, yeah, yeah you should have. Yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like I probably would have like gone to Sundance or something. It's, it's like Even though watch, I didn't submit yeah. it to Sundance. But um, but it's like when you watch cable and it's like ancient aliens and they're presenting it like a documentary. You're like, wow, look, they've actually got footage here. Of, uh, right, people, right. You know, they found some ancient aliens. You yeah, know, exactly. Right. So, um, yeah, when I was, because uh, I wanted to do a straight up documentary yeah. about something and then I was like, I don't want to just, just do another stand-up documentary because yeah, yeah. those have been done. And they're usually not funny. So yeah. I was like, well, I want to do like a comedy, but yeah. k- kind of a documentary. So, Well, backstage stuff, I think, is always sort of tricky, too. I mean, that was my problem with Birdman last year, which got Best Picture. I, I think Birdman, like, if you don't care about 
what the backstage life of an actor is. You're not going to care about Birdman. And, right. and I think, obviously, to a lot of people, it sort of it, it was representative of a lot of things. To me, it was really just representative of an actor trying to come back, and that's why Hollywood loved it, because it's uh, it's a Right, it's right. They love that story. Yeah, they love that stuff. They love anything that has to do with performance. Shakespeare in Love, even the King's Speech. Like, it's about performance. Right. Um, but I felt like if you're not... I mean, Middle America, that's why. If anybody saw it at their outhouse, they're like, eh, they walked away, eh. Right. It. Well, the thing I don't like about movies like that, and I mean, I liked Birdman. Yeah. One thing, one side note is after I screened my movie the second time mm-hmm. at, the, at the film festival... I had a Q and A, and this guy goes, "Yeah, I, um, yeah, I liked your movie better than Birdman." <laughs> I was like, "What? Like that's the that's the better than better than better on the, that's the gauge." Well, I he said something like, "Better than Surf Nazis Must Die." Well, he was just like, <laughs> "You know, it reminded me of Birdman." He goes, "I liked it better than Birdman," or something. And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like that's <laughs> well, that's the, got, right. That is yeah. Um, so, so, so you against Birdman at the Oscars? This guy would have pretty voted for much. You. That's gonna, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the thing I don't like about, and I've seen this a lot in these movies, or just in magazine interviews with celebrities like birdman the whole thing was it's kind of based on him you know sort of because he was batman and um it's this whole thing where they're like the whole story like yeah like you know everything like fell apart and nothing's going well and like they're just trying to convey this perception that his life sucks and everything's i'm like dude you were like you were batman for years like why don't you have any money And he's like and i had to put in like some money into this plan i'm like you should have like eighty million dollars. Right, right. Like, what did you do? And you've been in movies over the years, and I know you're getting money for those movies. Yeah. So it's hard for me to to feel bad yeah. that you had to give fifty grand to a play. Right. Like, why don't? And then he's like, and then I had to sell my beach house. Right. This is Michael Keaton you're talking about. That, yeah. That, and there's yeah. just things like you know, and I, and it's just kind of, and I know you see this when like a movie star is trying to make a comeback and they're trying to paint a story that it's a comeback, even though it's not really like when Ben Affleck directed Argo or even the first one, he did gone girl. Was that the first one he did? No, no, no. I mean, uh, gone, baby, gone, gone, baby, gone. Yeah. Gone, baby, gone. Um, he's in gone. He's in every, anything with the word gone. gone, He's (laughs) he's a part of, um, so, uh, he, when that came out, there like there was a cover story in, like Vanity Fair, and it yeah. was like this is Ben Affleck's last shot. Or so, and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, right? And there's the an whole, Oscar for screenwriting, right? He's yeah, and he's like they're like yeah, and he's and now like, he's Batman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, uh, all, everyone's gonna be Batman though at some point. Though. Yeah, yeah, I hope yeah. so. Yeah. Um, I hope it comes around. It comes, you might be Batman if probably you'll see this. Year. I'll well, be you, the right age eventually. But you will. But Keaton, that's right. When I'm eighty, it'll be a good time for me to do it. Right. The Dark Knight goes to sleep. Uh, the Dark Knight takes a nap. The dark, yeah, the Dark Knight turn has the to urinate, urinates every ten minutes. Right. The, the Dark Knight says, "Turn the lights on. I'm trying to sleep." Um, Keaton, I mean, Keaton walked away from from the Batman role as well. And Batman Returns was ninety two. He, he didn't want to do the third. He didn't one. want to do the third one, which was which was bad. But it's not like it was that much worse than Batman Returns, which is okay. It's, yeah, I'm not really crazy about any of those Batman movies. Um, yeah, there the first one I remember was like, yeah, 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 yeah you're like, yeah, and then the second one you're like, oh, a little bit, but then, but there's it's still like Batman versus a bunch of penguins. Uh, yeah, so the, the last of, one, what was it with George Clooney? Oh yeah, was Batman like Batman and Robin. It was horrible, horrible. Oh, God. Yeah, that, that was, was like the like, TV series. Batman, it was like clown vomit is what it was. It was <laughs> yeah. there was so much Technicolor and Day Glow and Schwarzenegger. Yeah, they had like 
like nine villains. Yeah, Schwarzenegger was in it with Uma Thurman, and it was it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But what were you going to say about yeah, Michael? Oh, but Gay- so, he so he walked away, and, he, and I think he sort of always felt, as every actor obviously does, that they they could do more. And then he, you know he did Speechless with Gina Davis, which was sort of almost a little bit of a fictionalized version of like the James Carville Mary Madeline story, where they're both was that the one was Christopher Reeve in that? No, I don't remember. No, no, they did another so, movie together because yeah. I remember seeing it and be like, wow, it's Superman and Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so they uh, so he did that, and then a few other things did. Uh, so that was called Speechless. Then he did uh, he did My Life with Nicole Kidman, where he's dying, and those are all movies where I feel like he probably thought, hey, I should get more credit than I'm getting for these. Yeah, they were successes. He was like, that was him. Like, I'm going to get an Oscar. That's right. And the thing I, I will say about Michael Keaton though is I hold up his performance in Night Shift, which I love. Right, Night Shift, the Ron Howard film, as one of the great star making roles in in cinema. I or at least in the last like 50 years, he comes in that movie, which is if people don't know it, Henry Winkler is a is a nerdy guy who works at a at a funeral parlor right and michael keaton is the wild guy who's his co-worker and he kind of brings him back to life he kind of re-energizes henry wing it was ron howard's first movie right? uh yes second i think he did grand theft auto yeah he had done like yeah. a corman movie he did, yeah which is grand theft auto and then he did this and it's really funny and he they brings, shot part of it on 23rd and first yeah, and a, i grew up right here so i remember it was like oh cool people were talking about there was a diner that we all go to and they were like uh fonzie was there and ron howard were there shooting a movie and yeah. i was like what it's a great new york snapshot too like some of those movies from the early 80s when you watch them there's a lot of great new york street scenes that don't exist anymore obviously and when you watch them you're like oh wow like there's a scene in there actually where they're walking from shelly long's apartment and they're at like you know like 79th and broadway or something and they're walking across the street and it just feel like the feel of the yeah scene is so is so there's a couple of scenes in times square yeah that's yeah. true it seems yeah. very and there are a bunch of scenes kind of around this neighborhood yeah. i remember because i've watched it recently and that is interesting because because, yeah, he hadn't really done a movie before. Keaton? Michael Keaton hadn't really done a movie no, he before had been on that. A TV show, I think, called The Associates. Um, I think he, that was the name of it. He was on a TV show with like James Belushi. Right. He and James Belushi run a show. I forget. What I thought it was had, called. Like, it was something about working. Maybe, like maybe they were work, working stiffs. Yeah, I mean, working, working stiffs. That's yeah. it. Working stiffs. And this is all no IMDb. This is just our minds that we're coming. Yeah, yeah. This. So working stiffs. Right. Then he comes. Then he does night shift, and he comes into Night Shift like a tornado. He's so good and so funny and really, I mean, you can still sort of appreciate that even in his performances now. Right. Um, but he's never really sort of lived up to that. He's done good things. Beetlejuice he's funny in and, and the you know, clean and sober. He's he really kind of moved in. away from comedy yeah. at one point. Right. I don't think he th- wanted to think of himself as a comedic actor. That's why when yeah. Batman happened, everyone was like, what? Right. You're Batman? Which was only seven years after Night Shift. Night Shift was 82 and Batman. Yeah, and then he yeah. did like, because he did do comedy comedies for a while like he did mr mom that was big that's right mr mom and then he did uh, the dream team where he's a guy yeah a bust but then he did some like oh he did some bad like touch and go touch and go and johnny dangerously johnny danger yeah. i actually like johnny dangerously I, I'm, I have an affection for johnny dangerously yeah it's sort of like one of those bland mid-80s comedies and it's in the vein it. isn't it the, some of the zucker guys because it's that uh, zucker humor. i don't think so no, it's amy heckerling directed it oh uh, right amy heckerling did it but, uh, but but it's that kind of absurd yeah. humor, yeah, right? It like it's right. all crazy jokes. Yeah, it's a little exactly. It's like it's sort of like Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid too. Where it's yeah, like, kinda, Joe Piscopo yeah. is pretty funny in it. Right, right. Uh, but I go. I want to go back to what you said about that. That was one of the like Michael Keaton and Night Shift yep. was one of like like star making performances. Yeah. What what are because I have thought of this same thing and yeah. I've tried to. There's a, there's only like a few I can think yeah. of. 
So who would? What are some other examples of that in the last like twenty five years? Twenty five years. I mean, where they it was kind of like they had done. They were they, they just burst on. They come, yeah. And all of a sudden they're starring in a movie and they're like a movie star. Well, Rachel McAdams, who hasn't fulfilled this promise, but Rachel McAdams in Wedding Crashers, I thought was really fun and sexy and appealing. And she had done maybe it was before the Notebook. She, had done she like, did Mean Girls before. She that. did Mean Girls right in like two thousand four, and so then she comes into Wedding Crashers in two thousand five and was really like, oh wow, here's somebody. Cool. Sexy and fresh and yeah. funny, and she's got an interesting sort of persona. And then she did a few other things. She did the Notebook and a few other things. And then she sort of has has not really fulfilled that promise. She's done yeah. some stuff, and I don't think she's she's not done by any means. That was ten years ago. That Wedding Crashers happened, so it wasn't that long ago, right? Um, so she's one of those that I think was really like you see and you say, "Wow." You know, what about the, the the two I always think of are. Um well, Eddie Murphy in yeah. 48 Hours. Right, right. Because he had been on the show. He was on Saturday Night Live, and then suddenly he's in. Yeah, and it was and kind of like, yeah. but he was just immediately like a, a movie star. Right, like, right. there was no, like, curve of like, oh, this guy's pretty good. Yeah, it was like, yeah. wow, this guy's, like, the yeah, greatest. Right, exactly. What's the other one? That's a good one. Um, Vince Vaughn in Swingers. Yeah, absolutely. Is one I've always... Yeah. Because he really came at, like... Absolutely. He had yep. done, like bit part he had had like four lines in like two movies right exactly and then it was like he's the star of this movie and like he is just and it you know it's an indie movie too that they just kind of made it wasn't even like you know you hear like indie movies and it's like oh but that was like two million dollars this was like they made for i think they made for like quarter of a million dollars back in 1996 yeah yeah Yeah. with like where they had to actually buy film that's right um use credit cards to. but it was like you see pictures of them shooting it's just like camera that looks not like a movie set right Um, and he's just like a movie star He's so ready to a be a star ma- yeah, yeah and he is like and immediately he was just like that's right like eight months later he was starring in like spielberg movies right, right, and looked yeah. comfortable right. doing it exactly yeah you know another uh, one in the in the dramatic side you mentioned goodfellas earlier is um something wild which is a great film from yeah, yeah. when ray liotta shows up in something wild right you right. just think who is this guy he's so dangerous he's so scary he's so he really adds a whole other layer he is great and he He's had great. never well he had done stuff but not like i think he did one thing and then and then and i think he was dating melanie griffith at that time I, that's how he got that i don't know about that but i feel like Jonathan, pretty sure. you think so, so jonathan demi you know put him in that and uh and then obviously there's a few other things and then and like this movie article 99 that's okay and then goodfellas which he's incredible in right um and then and and i sort of feel like i mean everybody talks about goodfellas being you know the great one of the great Oscar losers because it lost to Dances with Wolves in 1990, yeah. which obviously it, it's, you know, it is, it's a great movie. It shouldn't have lost to Dances with Wolves. But the other thing is that Ray Liotta, like, wasn't nominated for that film. And and I always wonder if, like, had he been nominated, had his career been different? He did a few things after that, but he never, in 25 years, they're, they're going to be, by the way, at the Tribeca Film Festival. He and De Niro and, and uh, Lorraine Bracco and a few other people. It's the closing night movie. They've got a new print of it. And oh, really? they doing a discussion afterwards, yeah, on the closing night of the Tribeca Film Festival in about three weeks. Are you going weeks. to that? Yeah, I'm going to go to that. Oh, wow, that's awesome. And, and so, you, you um, get to interview any of them? Not going to interview any of them, but I, I'm just going to go for the fun of it because I want to watch them all banter a little bit on stage. Wow, that's awesome. But so, but but that movie, I mean, it's such a great movie, and he's so great in it that you almost wonder, like, why didn't he fulfill that promise after Goodfellas? Yeah, it is kind of, because he, he did, um, 
like Corinna Corinna with Whoopi Goldberg. That and he what was the movie where he was like the cop and he was like the bad cop and Copland? No, it was well he's in he's that. In, he's too. in Copland, yeah. But it was right after it was him and Kurt Russell and like Madeline Stowe. Oh yeah. It was it's yeah. like a generic like I forget the title. Yeah. Like domestic disturbance, but that's not right. it. There's it, a lot of those in the early nineties, right? Yeah. Like bad it, influence, right? Yeah. Uh, I forgot what Internal it, Affairs. That was Yeah, it's gear, like basically yeah. he's obsessed with Kurt Russell's wife right. and he starts to try and get Kurt Russell in in jail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he did a kind of like some bad movies like that. But yeah, something wild. That's kind of a good thing because he kind of came movie. out of nowhere and he's yeah. like, he does kind of. And, and another good thing, like another indication is like when the person isn't really the lead of the movie, yeah, yeah. but they kind of steal the movie. That's right. Yeah. And because Vince Vaughn isn't the lead in Swingers, no, Favreau, but he just kind of shows up and he's like, and then he's just like, everyone's like, oh my. Wait, bring that guy back. Yeah. And even Doug Lyman, when he won, he got an award for Swingers, like the MTV movie where he was like, I want to, you know, thank Vince Vaughn for such an electrifying performance. Like it was such like a, uh, Standout yeah. of the movie, like it kind of. Sometimes I think, like, if he hadn't been in that movie, how that movie would have been. I was just about to say, there. Are, those are the types of performances when you know, had had Michael Keaton not done Night Shift, had it been somebody else, had Ray Liotta not done something wild, had Vince Vaughn not done Swingers, those movies might have wound up okay. But it really does because the scripts are all obviously really good, right? And the directors were good, but without that performance it might have just have just sat on the shelf or it would have just been a forgetful movie you wouldn't, right. have, you wouldn't have cared about it but those guys really make it stand out yeah and he has like ridden that performance Vaughn, you're saying? to now like yeah. i feel like the you know cuz now all he does is horrible movies yeah he does <laughs> but he's about to be on the second season he is of, that's going to uh, help him true, right, detective. true detective he's he hasn't done a good a good comedy i think in about 10 years since wedding crashers i think that yeah not even one, like that that was that was the one cuz i was a yeah. huge yeah. and i i don't think he's ever been as good as swingers I ever again i agree which and, is i'm sorry go ahead and he should do dramas now which is a funny ironic thing i'm sorry what you're going to say though he's not uh, he hasn't done anything as good as swingers yeah which is just funny to me this is the this is the thing I was thinking about before, yeah. where you're kind of like you watch from the outside and you're like, "What's going on? Like, yeah. why aren't you able to do that again? Like, why aren't you?" And it's because I think he was at such a different point in his life, yeah. and he was like, didn't have a career, and he was so hungry and yeah. kind of giving it his all. But he, the thing I like about his performance is that is he still he's so great and confident, but he still seems a little insecure yeah, you know yeah. like he's because later i think he became like a caricature yeah. of that yeah. persona yeah. like and it felt like he was became this big comedy icon and he would be in these movies with all the big comedy icons and he right. felt almost like insecure was trying to like go toe to toe with them right and in swingers he's not really doing that no and 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 in fact he sort of is sort of a lost generation of comedic actors because now it's a bunch of judd apatow type guys and seth rogan and paul rudd and these guys and and before them were guys like vince vaughn and vaughn sort of fell by the wayside as judd apatow type comedies ascended. yeah and and vaughn Right. And the other thing is success. I mean, I feel like, you know, you, you, you've really got to, as, a, as an actor, like a comedic actor like Vince Vaughn, you've got to pick projects that, that play to your strength, but don't really look like you're standing up there like, hey, look at me. I'm the, I'm the main funny guy here and everything right. funny is going to happen around me. This last one he did, Unfinished Business, is horrible. Oh. And, and it's, really, it's really depressing to watch because you really just feel like, you know, nobody should have done this movie, especially not somebody like Vince Vaughn, who, yeah. actually, who has a sense of what's funny. And, and there's even little moments in the, the guy who directed that also directed his last terrible Delivery movie, Man. Delivery Man, yeah. and, and which is not good, but 
there's a moment in Delivery Man where a guy, you know, where Vince Vaughn comes into the apartment, into his apartment, and he sees a guy there, a lawyer, and he's going to tell him that you know you've got 550 kids or something, and Vaughn doesn't want to admit that he's the guy that he, this lawyer is looking for, so he pretends to speak Spanish like he's the delivery guy or something, and he says his name, you know, he says like you know uh, no como estas, uh, you know whatever his name is, you know David Schultz or something, and he says it in four different sort of intonations. One sort of sad, one sort of shocked, one angry. Right, right. And that's a funny moment. And the way he can sort of turn that into a funny moment for three or four minutes shows you that it's still there. He's still got that thing. It just has to be in a better project. Yeah, that know. might be... Because, yeah, obviously yeah. he's really, really talented. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's like he's but lost touch awful. with what's funny. Or, yeah. And, yeah... The, I, and the, the, comedy changed around him, too. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, the Apato, uh, the, yeah, the Apato just took over everything. The more realistic sort of... Con- this is 40 or, you know, 40-year-old yeah. version. And the more, whatever, like, you know. yeah, the very, like, uh, unpolished yeah. dialogue where they're just kind of talking over each other yeah. and you can tell they're just kind of making up lines yeah. or they're improv. Um, Did you like the interview? What did you think of the interview? Um, I... I I liked it the first time I saw it. I saw it in the theater, and I this happens to me a lot where I'll be like, everyone's like, this is the wor-. every review was like, this is the worst piece of shit ever, and then I was like, oh, this is gonna be bad, and so I was expecting this horrible movie, and I thought it was like pretty funny, yeah. um, and then I watched it again on Netflix, mm-hmm. and um, didn't hold up. I just didn't think it was that. It, I felt like it was better with an audience. Yeah, well, that's um, crucial for comedies. Yeah, okay. yeah, de- it definitely is. And so yeah. th- when I saw it again, I was like, eh. like James Franco really annoyed me yeah. the second time. Yeah. But there is something to it. I gave it. I think I gave it two out of five. I think that there's something to it. It's, it feels a little Doctor Strange Lovian to me, and it's a in that it's sort of so out there and it's so weird in what it is it's not successful but there are moments that are funny in it that i liked and and that are that sort of would be really welcome in a better comedy in a better movie but right i agree with you and that's the kind of movie that you need to see with an audience so i think i saw it with an audience that really wasn't into it but i still thought it was okay i think it's like you have to see with an audience and you have to think it's going to be horrible <laughs> but <laughs> right low expectations and a crowd full of full of morons yeah and they liked it they people did like it uh, Do, but it, the, isn't the sign of a good comedy that, like when you watch tootsie or something on tv or something comes up I mean, and you still laugh all by yourself in your living room. Yeah, that's, definitely. That's, that's that, is the, that for me, that's the sign of a good comedy. And the sign of a good drama, or sign of a good good film overall, is that if you see it like every few years in your life, every four or five years, if you can associate with a different character, Woody Allen's Manhattan is like this, or Hannah and Her Sisters, or Broadcast News is another one, another movie that I feel this way about. If you can see it every four or five years and relate to a different character, and you see their point of view, something that you didn't see the last two or three times you saw it, that's the sign of a movie that's really aging well. Wow, really, that's yeah. a good because yeah. that's how I was with. Um, we were talking about how while we were young, like I don't yeah. know if I would have gotten it like yeah, younger. Ten years ago, you wouldn't appreciate it. But because yeah. um, I was going to say, now that I'm in my forties, and this is kind of what the movie's about, that you just start realizing like you're not young, right. but, and I think it's because like. You're like, oh wait, I'm going to die. Right, right. You suddenly <laughs> like, see the end. Well, right. yeah, like when well, you're you in your thir- even in your 30s, you're yeah. just like, wait, I don't die. Right. Really, that happens. I'm just gonna hang out for a while. But now die. you're like, no, no, I'm going to die. Like it's gonna happen. Like I see dying. <laughs> I f- I could just feel myself getting slow. I feel myself aging now. Right. I feel like. <laughs> and they talk about that a lot in the movie. There's yeah. a moment, and it's funny to watch. Because there's a point where they're like yeah. these two guys, and they're one of them's Ad Rock from right. the Beastie Boys, really who's like really good at it. Yeah. Um, 
And they're, he's like, oh, I have a, a slip disc. disc or yeah. And yeah. the other one's like, oh, I have arthritis in my knee. And he's like, what's, what's happening hap- to us? <laughs> and it is, it's true. I'm going yep. through that exact thing where yep. I'm like, what is going on? Like, yep. and it, the thing that's so funny is how everyone is surprised by AJ. Yeah, right. Like, you really are like, what? And then there's a line in the movie, he's like, I'm getting to the point where things that I thought would happen when I got older are happening. Right. And then there's also <laughs> the, and then the, and I'm just a little bit older than you, but the, but the other thing, which is the things you thought were going to happen. And don't happen and so you're right like, oh by 45 i thought i'd you know whatever own a home or i thought i would do this or i think i and you don't i'd have a second home and you know wherever in the, yeah in the and country he, and you don't no you don't have those and you're like oh i made a mistake somewhere along and he way. makes a lot of comments because his his father-in-law is like a successful documentarian and Charles he's Grodin, great in the movie and he i think yeah. he says something like i know you wanted me to be more successful or yeah, you want me yeah. to be like you or yeah to the to the wife he's like yeah. i know you wanted a more successful me right and that's adam that's driver, dri- adam yeah. driver yeah um so yeah there's a lot of stuff like that it's yeah. it's a very like honest i don't know yeah movies like that when you can what you were saying like you can really relate exactly yeah to what um and a movie like that that happened with me was i saw field of dreams when i was like 17 yeah. Yeah. and everyone was I like this is the greatest movie in the world and i saw you know i'm 17 right. and um I was like, "What is this shit?" Because <laughs> guy wants to play baseball with his dad. What the hell? <laughs> well, I was like, "What is this?" Like the idea of dreams not right. coming true right. was right. so foreign. I was like, yeah. "What do you mean things don't happen how you want them to happen?" Like, of course, everything I want is yeah, going to happen. happen. Like, I didn't yeah. understand. <laughs> and then when I saw it when I was like thirty-five, yeah. I was like, "Oh, oh my god, I get it!" Right? <laughs> yeah, like things don't come true the way you want right. them to come true, and you have to reconcile. Thing that's his name in there. In fact, is Ray Kinsella. The, the oh author, wow, I never even yeah the book that it's based on, which is also a, a Shoeless good book, Joe. Shoeless Joe. It's by the author is W. P. Kinsella. But for the movie, the screenplay uh, it was changed to Ray like Kinsella. reconcile. So it sounds uh, to, to, that's how I always saw it. Is that it yeah, sounds definitely because like he has to reconcile to himself. Uh, he has to reconcile the 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 estrangement his, his father. Yeah, yeah. It's a but great. That's a great example, and I love that movie oh, now yeah, because now I'm like a lot of people don't like it. I like. <laughs> it though i think it's really it's kind of candy coated and it's very sugary but it's also i think it's one of those movies that you really if you buy into it you buy into it and right if you, if you connect with the with the emotions of it you know yeah well, i, I want to talk about all right, the, the scientology movie going clear speaking of connecting to emotions um yeah. so what yeah, i it's i a great documentary yeah it's oh. it's really amazing and yeah. um yeah what is your take on that did you know a lot about Scientology before that? Yeah, I had. I mean, obviously, just from from reading up on it and everything, and and knowing what we all know, and uh, and working at various film magazines. I was at Premiere in the '90s when the f- one or two of the first magazine articles about Scientology was it Premiere? Was it Premiere in about like ninety ninety three or ninety four? And I was I was there. Um, at that time, and a friend of mine was even at the research department, and so it was a whole thing. And there was stories of them slashing people's tires and whatever. And this was – so this was still very early in the in, – in sort of everyone's understanding of Scientology with its connection to Hollywood. Tom Cruise had only been in it for probably not even 10 years yet. You know? Right, right. And he got he joined in like, in like the mid-'80s. Mid-'80s, it seems like, yeah. I think right after Top Gun, which was 86. And um, and so this documentary, which I saw at, at Sundance, and it's on HBO now. It's been on HBO for a while. It's terrific, Going Clear. And it's based on a book by Lawrence Wright. I think it's terrific. I think it it's very interesting in a lot of ways because um, – 
Did you see it at Sundance? I saw it at Sundance. What was the yeah. re- audience reaction? They loved it. They loved it. And a lot of the interview subjects in the film who are ex-Scientologists, um, both high-level guys who were sort of, you know, the lieutenant or the enforcer for David Miscavige, the Yeah, the well, what, who were some of the guys? Was um, um, Marty something? Marty Rathbun yeah, is yeah. one name. And, uh, and, and then there's, you know, kind of the lower-level people who were sort of in it. Um, this woman, um, Spanky Taylor. Who yeah, was yeah, yeah. John Travolta's sort of handler in the late 70s and early 80s. She was there at Sundance. There was a lot of people. And did they do? They did a Q and A. They did like a little, a little Q and A afterwards. Question from the audience. Yeah, and uh, it was a very emotional sort of response. And there was also people. You know, they kind of had to be protected a little bit. They sort of the Sundance uh, were volunteers made sort of like almost like a human chain around the around them as they walked in and out. I don't know. Really? What, yeah. I mean, I don't think that they were oh my really God. concerned about anything per se. But there was who knew? You know, it was it's still Scientology. They do weird stuff, and. Um, and so, yeah, I think it knocked everybody's socks off, and it and it certainly has. It was released in New York two weeks theatrically, two weeks before it ran on HBO. Right. And I think Alex Gibney is a great documentarian. I think he's terrific. And the, but but this one in particular, really, it's a it's a hard thing to nail down because you've got to go into exactly what Scientology is, which is nutsy. And right. Then you've got to go into the history of it and L. Ron Hubbard, and you've got the abuses that are going on in the church uh, you know that have been alleged for for several years now and that in Lawrence Wright's book are really dramatic and then you've got the hollywood stuff and you've got the cruise and right, travolta right. stuff and they appear in the movie uh via archival footage they don't talk to gibney right um because it, it's funny because you know i i've obviously it, there's like tipping points with things yeah. Yeah. like um the bill cosby thing right like you've yeah. probably heard about that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny that that Hannibal Burris is kind of the yeah. one that like finally was the tipping point. Yeah, he's he was the comedian. one who kind of, right called it out from the stage a little bit. Yeah, he's a guy I came up with. And um, do you know him? Is he in? His yeah, I, know, I I have a rap album. He's on the rap okay. album. I got him on it right before he became famous. Okay. Um, and uh, he, it's just funny because that was out there already. Yeah. It was already yeah. like in the news. Yeah. But he, this thing, this comedian, just kind of doing a joke and someone putting it online yeah. is the thing that made it kind of like finally brought him down. So w- what is your opinion? Do you think this will kind of be the tipping point against Scientology? Cause Scientology yeah. is kind of like a little bit on its knees. It is. Yeah. And I, cause I think they weren't ready for social media. Right. Like I don't think they were prepared for that. Or even, you know, it's interesting cause I, I actually did a Q and a with Gibney, um, at the uh, motion picture Academy. And, uh, and they, one of the things that, that he said is that, you know, before, the internet they could keep the whole big secret about scientology kind of just to the people who hit the ot3 level so when you hit ot3 right and you find the backstory yeah the the backstory they give you the 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 scrawled notes from l ron hubbard out of a you know like a glowing briefcase like in pulp right right and you find out that you know about xenu the overlord (laughs) all this stuff and 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 paul haggis the director paul haggis who's who's very good in the movie and he's his his defection from scientology in like 2010 is what set this all off, and the New Yorker article by Lawrence Wright and everything that that beget the book. He has a great moment in this documentary where he says, "You know, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, I'm down with like, you know, you want to help people, you want to help help like empowering yourself, yeah, yeah." But then like they the stuff about you know the galactic overlord and dropping people into into volcanoes, yeah. and he's like, "What the fuck?" And then when he's like, "Maybe this is right. a thing where like it's a right. test. It's if a you believe this, test. they throw you out, <laughs> right? It's a sanity test. Oh, I'm sorry, you didn't pass." 
you, you, you believe it, you're out. And the greatest part yeah. about that is when they start playing L. Ron Hubbard reading it. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it's like, it's he sound, it sounds like a crazy guy who's telling a, an outrageous story and almost like someone telling an outrageous ghost story. Yeah, right. Like, almost like he doesn't believe it. Like, right. And he's like, he was the supreme ruler. Right, right. But he really did believe it. I mean, I think something that Gibney has brought up and is, is brought up in the documentary is that Hubbard was, a you know, at, maybe he didn't start out that way. And there's a great quote in the in the uh, documentary where his wife, one of his wives, is, is in her diary saying that he oh, said right. to her that the way to make money is to start a religion. But it really, certainly by the end, it seems as if like he bought into it, uh, into his own crazy myth that he created about this thing, um, and that you almost had to because like I, for whatever reason he he you know created this stuff. I think that he really was he really did believe in Zenu and the and the. Is fifth it because he just and, kind of like lost his mind? He was a science <laughs> a pulp science, yeah. pulp science fiction writer, you know, in the in the thirties and forties, and I think he just sort of bought into his thing. The amazing thing is, you and I were just talking about this uh, is uh, is that like to to believe that now, like if you're a grown up, right. grown ass man, as Cedric the Entertainer would say, you, yeah. you're, you're a grown ass man sitting here in 2015. And you're a Scientologist, and somebody tells that to you. How do you believe that? Why? Why that's, would you buy into that? That's what's so amazing. Like, because when you watched it, and the, the whole cruise section, because yeah. they have about thirty minutes yeah. where they talk about Tom yeah. Cruise at the end. Yeah. What is your? Does he seem insane? It, it to you? I've, I've interviewed him. He doesn't seem. <laughs> have insane. you? Oh, you've yeah. interviewed oh, him? Yeah, yeah. We had like an hour long talk on the phone. When was this? Like, like right after Collateral in two thousand. Ah, okay. And, uh, and four. So it was right before he kind of was going nuts. Right on before, TV. yeah, it was before Katie Holmes and all that stuff. And uh, and so it was probably when he was dating that Scientologist girl that they maybe, kept captive. Yeah, I'm not sure what the time of it was yeah, yeah. Uh, or maybe he was dating penelope cruz I think, oh I right right but so um no i think he i mean i think he believes it too i think he's he he buys into it i think that and i almost think you have to because if not like you're how could you keep up that level of of craziness if you yeah. don't really buy it if you don't believe well it? i think what was so amazing watching it is realizing that just because this guy is like a good actor and talented yeah. and good looking yeah. charismatic doesn't mean he can't be insane. Like, people can be talented and be crazy. Oh, yeah. And yeah, to see right. him in these things, like, yeah. especially that interview that, that leaked or whatever, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. years oh, ago, yeah, where he's yeah. just like, right. like <laughs> the I black mean, turtleneck. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. just looks out. Uh, he looks like a cult member. Well, he, that, and that's for, that's for the Scientology. Like, that was done for that special award they gave him. Yeah. So he's sitting there, like, kind of talking to the And, in fact, they bring this up in the documentary, he, that he's talking to... Scientologist, like that obviously wasn't meant to be leaked. So he is he is sitting there talking to the converted. But the, also those great moments that they show that somebody taped. I don't know how Gibney wouldn't reveal how he got it. But the um, I know there's some footage in there. Like how oh, the it's fuck did they get this? Incredible! It looks like the Nuremberg rallies, but they were st- as staged by uh, by Siegfried and Roy. Like, right? You know they. Look you mean like, the thing where it looks like the the, the big stage and it's like yeah, almost like a Nazi, the, with the, right? With the flames going up in the big sta- big yeah, picture of Elrod Hubbard, and they like turn and they give it a salute. That's when you and he's like. L R H, yeah, yeah, like that part's really, and when he has the big metal on, yeah, it's not. But you know, I mean, let's. But we, I guess at this point we have to say, I mean, Cruz is great in Born on the Fourth of July. He is great, <laughs> no, seriously, he's great in 
uh, The Color of Money. He's great in Magnolia. You know, he's great in Jerry Maguire. Like these are all, the interesting thing too is that those are all great performances from directors who never worked with him again. Scorsese oh. never worked with them again. Paul Thomas Anderson never worked. Oliver Stone. You know, uh, really? Cameron why Crow. do you think it was they had bad experiences? Uh, who knows? Who knows? But I think that if you if you direct a guy to a performance like in Born on the Fourth of July, which is a great performance, or yeah. or uh, Color of Money, which is good, or Rain Man, Barry Levinson, yeah. um, in Rain Man, I mean that one Best Picture. And one thing about Rain Man is like you're like, oh, he's so good in this. He's such a dick. I think he is like that that he character. Probably, yeah, I mean, like he's because yeah. he's such a dick in that right, movie, but. Right. I, I was watching an old interview of him after I watched the Scientology thing for Rain Man, yeah. and he's like that in the yeah. interview. I mean, that's in '88 too, so he was still he was only in movies for about five or six years. Yeah. At that point. So so he is. I mean, he's amazingly talented. I think, but he doesn't do anything like that anymore. And I and I it just it, whenever you as a critic, whenever I see performances like that that are really terrific performances, and and to my money, he should have got the Oscar in '96 for Jerry Maguire. Jeffrey Rush got it for Shine. Right, Jeffrey Rush right. is good in Shine, but to play a contemporary character. Character like that, sort of like um, like Jack Lemmon in The Apartment, which is one of my favorite films. Right, I never saw that, but yeah. But to play a contemporary character like that, a, a modern person, a modern man dealing with modern issues, that's a very tricky thing to pull off. And and in '96, he lost to Jeffrey Rush, who was right, you know, playing a, a mentally damaged pianist. Uh, so. But those are great performances for those directors. The next few films that they do, for them to not to think, oh, maybe I should call this guy, again. yeah, that I, that I right. that I directed to a great performance or an Oscar nominated performance in the case of Jerry Maguire or Born on the Fourth of July, right. or maybe I should look for a project for that guy. The fact that they didn't just sets off a, a couple of alarms for me. Yeah, I, that's an interesting because you know. Scorsese does seem into working with the yeah. same people a lot. Yeah. Why um, wouldn't you? You know. Yeah, and, and there has to be a reason. It's so weird. Color of Money is a Scorsese movie to me. It is weird. It's also weird that it's the sequel to The Hustler, which I love. The right, Hustler. right. And you, I own, like that movie, by the way. Color of Money. Yeah. Oh, I like it too. And I think it's it, it, the cinematography by Michael Ballhouse is really amazing. It's you know, it's one of those movies that you just you could watch with the sound off because it's so great to look at. Right, right. Um, like almost any Scorsese. They have film. a lot of cool like pool shots where the balls are like coming at you yeah. at the camera. Eighties, by the way, eighties Scorsese. I I think you can almost do no wrong uh you know everything from after hours yeah that's another one that you're like it's weird that yeah. it's a scorsese Last, but it's so great after hours is great king, king of comedy which is one of my king of comedy films. is great Fantastic. that's kind of my the my ending for my movie was a little bit inspired yeah, by the ending of king that. of comedy because yeah. king of the only difference is that king of comedy ends where he makes it big yeah. But you're like, is this real? Right, right, did right. he really make it big? He did. I mean, I, I always buy the ending of, of King of Comedy. I think that it, I think it it works, especially now, because what we were talking about before, like yeah. while we're young, is like the the end game of fame. Right. It doesn't matter how you got there anymore. That's right. Like it's kind of like, well, so what? Like, right. and someone made a really good point about. This is just a tangent about a comedian, actually, about how Kim Kardashian, everyone's like, well, she's only famous for making a sex tape, you know, dude. But the thing is, like, that's kind of an accomplishment because a lot of people make sex tapes. There's a lot of people doing (laughs) porn and, like, blowing a bunch of, and they're not famous. Like, to make a sex tape and then your family is famous? It also says something about (laughs) the time that we're living in, the culture that we're living in, that that can be a springboard to fame. Yeah. It's sort of like, I mean, exactly like like Cam Comedy. It is. It doesn't matter. Yeah, Yeah. whatever gets you to being famous. People just forgive. They're like, well, whatever. But now they're like famous, so who cares? Who cares? You know, Honey Boo Boo, whatever. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah. But the Kim Kardashian, actually, it was a good point. I'm like, yeah, a lot of people make sex tapes, but like, 
but who becomes her famous? Her brother's fake. Like no one's watched right. a sex tape usually. Like I'm not watching a girl on porn and being like, hmm, wonder what her brother's doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's a different kind of sex tape, right? Exactly. Um, so it is kind yeah. of a I don't know, that's yeah. kind of. But so King of Comedy yeah, ends. But so I was like, oh, let me end mine. We're like. Eh, I just make it. I become the right. biggest star in the world. I like that. That's fun. Yeah, it's a fun um, little. And, and King of Comedy also is one of those movies that um, was, it's made in eighty two, eighty three. Yeah, came out in eighty three. Um, is incredibly prescient and could be could be made today. Like when you watch movies like Sweet Smell of Success, or there's a Billy, great Billy Wilder movie called Ace in the Hole. I never um, saw those. That's great. It's also called The Big Carnival. Um, those are or Sweet Smell of Success, which with Burt Lancaster, great movie. So and and or Network. Uh, oh right, right. I just saw that like yeah. four years ago. Yeah, I'd never great. seen it. That's a great movie. Truman Show was another one. Was yeah, I like Truman Show. It was just as reality TV was kind of becoming something, it was more of a thing in Europe. And so you watch all those, and King of Comedy is another one. You watch those movies, and they are just as some of those movies that we just named were in the fifties. Um, they are just as as pertinent now, just as as you know as relevant yeah and i do feel like even especially now i feel like in king of comedy it is very true to showbiz especially now where i do feel like you have to do things almost the level of kidnapping someone and like hijacking their tv show to get attention and get note there was something and recently there's a level of forgiveness to it too that they would be you know like you said well like with the kim Kardashian. yeah like they yeah. go to jail like and yeah. king comedy goes to jail but Comes it's like out. such an amazing yeah. story yeah. he writes a good book but like there was something recently where i was like wow someone they had to like do that to become famous i forgot what it was it was something i don't know i forgot it was yeah uh, that's a good example Almost every other week it is something like that yeah. but there or was even, something where i was yeah. like i can't believe like i have to do that to get <laughs> to somewhere get right. um or even the obsession with fame, the fact that the De Niro character is so obsessed with Jerry Lewis. And that, I mean, that today is, is absolutely uh, relevant. You know, that, right. that, that people who are famous for just being famous have got people who are obsessed with them just because they They're, see their name on, on exactly. the internet. You know? And yeah. it is funny, though, because he is like a psychotic yeah. person with not a lot of talent. Right, right. Who becomes... It works out, and, and it is one of my favorite De Niro performances. It is so funny too. It's funny and scary, yeah. And and it's just it's, really, great, it's great because it's like yeah. it's very different than because he is like a schlub. He's not like a very threatening mm-hmm. guy. Right. He's got the crazy mustache, and he's just sort of Rupert and his stand up is like perfect. That I've seen stand ups like that. They're like they're really into stand up, but they're not that funny. Right. But they're just but funny enough. It's that's the thing about that yeah. is that movie is that is that when you do see his routine, it's not groaningly bad. You don't say, "Oh my god, this guy." It's just funny enough, and yeah. just like the level of like, "Hey, what's up with these airplane peanuts?" Um, yeah, that, he does a yeah. good job. Yeah, of he does. Like being a stand up. It's a great and a great screenplay. Yeah, it's really um, and After yeah. Hours is like hilarious. And a great another great New York movie. The, a, a movie yeah, oh, you, totally. Yeah, so city you don't recognize anymore. Though. Yeah, yeah. And Griffin Dunn is like so great in that. He was great in that. And then again, I feel like he just never really did much after that. He, he produced things. He had done things before. He was an American Werewolf. He did things yeah, after. Yeah. He's in a great movie called Once Around. He's got a little cameo scene in that. And he's been doing like he was in um, Dallas Buyers Club. He does like a couple of cameos. Yeah, sometimes. yeah. I like him though. Whenever he shows up, I'm always sort of oh, look, there's Griffin Dunn. No, he's great. And yeah. After Hours, he's like his. He's so funny. The thing I love it. about After Hours is that when you if you live in New York. When you're watching it, and he's stuck in Soho, and he doesn't have any money, and he lives on the Upper East Side, you're sort of like, "Well, just walk home, dude." It'll that take an would, hour. that is the one problem I have with that movie, <laughs> right? Because I mean, they're I know like scary out, but still, they do know. make a, they do make yeah. it like. I mean, it's funny how they're creating the atmosphere, yeah. and that is a cool thing too, where he's in Soho, and it yeah. seems like edgy he's in scary. another like it's Wonderland, like, like Wonderland. country yeah. almost, and yeah. it is like. 
that is a thing in New York. Certain neighborhoods, even though you live here, are like, "Where am I? Like, right. this is I don't fit in in this right. neighborhood." Um, but you also know you could just walk home in an hour. Like, yeah, that's the Broadway, thing. I'm like, okay, okay, you right. can, and I've done that. I've been <laughs> right, in those yeah. situations where, like, I was on 96 and Broadway, yeah. and I was like, "Well, I have to walk home now." And then right. I'm like, "Just go to another train and that's hop right. it." It's especially in the 80s. You exactly, could hop right. the train. It would be fine, right? Just hop over the turnstile. Great story that I love is a friend of mine saw a Hook in 1991. And he got out at midnight and, uh, you know, remember Hook, the crazy yeah, yeah, problem, yeah. Steven Spielberg movie. And his happy thought was to go uh, see, go to up to an ex-girlfriend's place and leave her a note. So he walked at midnight from 3rd Avenue and 11th Street in the East Village where we were both living. And he walked up to, like, you know, up by Columbia, like 99th or something. Oh, really? Riverside, like at, at 1 in the morning or something like to that. To go see this? Just to leave. An, actually, she wasn't there. So he actually oh, took oh. a marker and wrote uh, a note for her on, uh, on a mattress that was outside of her. Oh, okay. Okay. Really. So, you know, that, that sounds like a movie right there. So yeah, yeah, exactly. The beginning of a bad rom-com with Sandra Bullock or something. Yeah, hopefully. Um, While you were sleeping outside the apartment building. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, I just want to talk about one more thing. Yeah. So I, the, the movie, it, you just saw the movie It Follows. Yeah, I did. I, you know, it's good. It's, um, you know, the funny thing about I'm not a big horror film fan. You're I, not? I, not? I grew up in them, though. I like them. I, I just feel like so much of them now, we were just talking about this, is that, um, you know, it's they're like Insidious or Saw or The Conjuring. or I just feel like there's a, there's a real... Uh, everything's got a kind of a shtick and kind of a hook, and and they're edgy. And I, what I liked about it follows was that it, you know, the I don't want to ruin anything for anybody, but it's about a it's got a great metaphor for a right a girl has sex with a guy and he passes on this disease to her. Uh, but the disease is that you're going to be followed by these creepy this creepy figure that can change form right that can change become and it's anybody. always just kind of walking slowly walking towards slowly you. and you'd think like that's not that scary but it is scary and what's great about the movie is that it really uses um your anticipation of these things showing up rather than oh no i mean they're, they're gonna get caught because right. the thing is sort of strolling it's, yeah and you never know when you, like you'll see things in the distance yeah. and you're like is that it yeah like um, there is a one really cool part where they show someone the camera kind of pans around and you see someone with like a backpack walking towards yeah, yeah, the camera yeah. and you're like, are they just walking across campus? Right. And then later it's walking towards the car and it is it, yeah. but it's yeah. kind of cool because they never, she never even acknowledges she, it. And, and I love when, when the one guy who thinks who, who's also had this thing, follow him looks at the person behind him yeah. and says, did you guys all see that person? Yeah, that's, that, right? that's great. Do you see him? Do you see um, uh, but I, you know what I also like about it is that it, it, it has a, f- uh, has a great seventies feel to it. It kind of, it's not set in the seventies, but it feels very seventies. Yeah. I've been reading articles where he, the director was like, I wanted to make it like timeless. You don't know. It's yeah. like dreamlike. You don't yeah. know when it's taking place. Yeah. Cause there's weird, like someone will have some technology, something yeah. that's like a, like a device that yeah. you would have now, but then yeah. they're watching like a black and white TV and then they're right. watching like old movies and right. black and white that you're yeah. like, what is this? movie some of them don't even seem real one or two of them were real but yeah, uh, yeah. some of them don't seem. Re- and someone said that um it, it had like a nightmare on elm street type vibe which yeah. i kind of agreed with or halloween or john carpenter it has like the, the music is very john carpenter where yeah the music like the definitely synthesizer is. yeah you know, like one guy on a casio and it did remind me kind of a nightmare on elm street the kind of the like i, I don't know how to explain it, but there's like this creepy Everywhere they are, like the environment they're in, every, everything just seems creepy. They seem really it's isolated. Shot in Detroit too, which is yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, really a city. Which they were saying it's also kind of a. It was a metaphor for like, uh, you know, 
society or in these cities kind of like falling apart yeah yeah i can feel and that's the the best horror movies do that you can sort of read so much into them um you know the thing from the 1950s it's about you know or or you know invasion of the body snatchers great yeah, that great, communism and yeah, stuff. yeah great great horror movies can can really the fly you know the, what do the, they the say remake. that one is like the remake of the fly i mean a lot of people read it as like an aids metaphor certainly uh, it's a cancer right metaphor, yeah that's Jeff true Goldblum one yeah and and it's also sort of a metaphor about like you know you love somebody and then they start to change and you do you still love them after they're changed right into, right into a giant bug um because i've been on the i like Sometimes when I see a movie like like it follows, like I'll go on message boards, yeah. and on IMDb there's so many like threads yeah. of like um, people riffing about yeah, yeah people's interpretation of what it's about, yeah. and it's really interesting to read because some people really get in depth, and you're like, wow, yeah, that I can see that that that, and it's yeah. so it's cool to like, and I think the director was. When you see that a, direct, a filmmaker is that aware of yeah. what they're doing, yeah. that there's a lot behind it, I think that's yeah. why it's cool. Because it really, like, when I saw it, I was like, "Yeah, it's pretty good," but like, it has been a movie that has stayed with you me. Think about it, yeah. and I want to see it again. Yeah, like it's weird. I'm kind of like I can't get it out of my head. And it is a really yeah. the thing. One thing I think is funny that they're like the director came up with it because he had nightmares about like people like following. And I'm like, yeah, like everyone had that right, nightmare. Right, everyone like, has a nightmare. But right. I'm like, but you know, it's amazing. He actually made it into a thing like that is a and it it is a really scary cool idea that it's because it's different than the slasher movies or where a guy just jumps out and they're like like it's just kind of every like you they never know when it's coming and every now and then some weird thing will just be walking with like a blank face and i think i mean we just talked about uh, the good sign of a good drama is you you know you think about from different characters point of view and and good comedies you know you can laugh at even in the middle of your living room a good horror film is one that that you know you can really read a lot of stuff into right it's hard to read a lot into he knows you're alone or friday the 13th right right five but but good horror movies and i think it follows is one of these um is is rich with meaning and and you can interpret different things in them. Did, are you did you watch those Friday Thirteenth movies? I did. Yeah, I mean, growing up, you know, you, everyone goes. Did so you yeah. like any of no, them? No, I got to be honest. I, I thought the first one was okay. The first one, which came out in nineteen eighty, and it was also it reminded me a lot of a of a campground that was up yeah near in Upper Wisconsin that uh, my family used to go to. Um, so it reminded me of that. So I kind of liked the campground sort of thing about it. And I'm, uh, sorry, I'm just bringing this thing. I'm listening. That's okay. And uh, and so so I sort of like I didn't like it but i sort of I, I appreciated the the atmosphere of it if you can say the atmosphere i thought the first one like i feel like it gets a lot of shit i, I think the first one's pretty good yeah and it also doesn't have jason in it you got yeah that's kind of what's cool yeah. about it too it does have a twist and it's scary yeah this is a video i made okay. i just want to show you some of it that this it's basically like staff meeting april 1980 so it's basically like because i had a joke about how they're they keep making the friday 13th movies right. there's like 18 they're making right, another right, right, one right, right. and i'm like when are they going to shut that camp down <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm like, it's right. not working. It's just not working. Right? So this, like, right, we'll give it one more year. So and... this skit is okay. Where the where the staff now people are can... listening to us as we're watching this. This is like I'm gonna, too meta. I'm going to play the okay. the, the, audio. Play the audio. Okay. Yeah, Camp Crystal Lake staff meeting, April nineteenth. Dude, you guys, I'm so psyched. I just inherited my uncle's camp, Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah, <laughs> Camp yeah. Crystal Lake. This is going to be awesome. I'm so happy to be part owner of this yeah, camp. Yeah, dude, it's Easy Street from here on out. I mean, what could go wrong in a camp? <laughs> <laughs> So what the fuck happened? <laughs> Apparently this this mom killed a bunch of kids with, with an axe. 
Why? Why would she do that? It doesn't make any sense at all. Oh, she was pissed about her son drowning? At well, some point? so, what the fuck? So, like, her solution was to kill everyone in her camp? Right? Uh, That's what I'm saying. But this summer, I think, will probably be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get the bad <laughs> stuff out of the way. Yeah, we worked yeah, all the way. kinks out Whoa, now. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa. We should shut the camp down. No, no, wait. we're going to keep the camp open. We're in the camp business. Yeah, we own a camp. <laughs> So tell me again, what the fuck happened this time? Well, okay. So basically, it goes on and on. That's and on. very funny. That's a yeah. great idea. Yeah. So we do um, like nine, ten different summers. What, what the fuck is that about? <laughs> Why would you do that? So basically, me and this other guy are just like you know we're like okay. So this summer, and this guy he actually is he the guy who played my manager, to say, Barry manager. Rothbard. Yeah, yeah. he's very funny. Yeah, he's in, really uh, funny. Um, yeah. At the festival, a lot of people are coming up to me like that guy is so funny. <laughs> They're like he stole the movie. I'm like okay. And you're like thanks a lot. I'm in it too. Now no, the, no. The I mean, I have a great rapport. Though. Yeah. That's, that's no, I was key. fine with that. Yeah, I like because right. I mean, I'm very like I want people right. to be funny in the movie. He's very he's, he has an entourage kind of thing going with it. Like, he's very funny in a in a way of like here's he's a smarmy you know manager and he's got yeah. this great thing going on. It's he's very, kind of perfect, yeah, to be yeah. like kind of a clueless like manager who's <laughs> slick. <laughs> Because uh, everything he says is wrong, but right. he has an answer for why it's wrong. Right. And he's also just lying. He's also just... Do you remember the um, the short-lived... Did we talk about this at Annapolis? The great short-lived Fox show action? Yeah, we did. Jay yeah, Moore, with Jay Moore so and um, Ileana Douglas. Yeah, great, great show. Too, ahead of its time. Yeah, like a time. better entourage. Yeah, it was, it was like yeah. mean. Like it was, yes. re- it was Hollywood how Hollywood is. Like he yeah. was really mean. He was really mean, and, and they had the... They had the bleep out the all the expletives and all the obscenities right which made it funnier and it, it was on it shouldn't have been on fox it, it should have been, been on like hp it was before right. hp was kind of doing yeah, things it was like, like in the original stuff yeah and it was produced by joel silver so it had like right. sort of that kind of brash kind of bigger than life quality because he's a action movie producer joel right silver. right um like jerry bruckheimer you know so but but he but he was sort of like you know back in the 80s and 90s the guy yeah and so it had that sort of personality to it it's really it's and it's, it's funny great. yeah he's banging Ileana douglas yeah. and she She's just like a hooker. She's a hooker, and he's like doing blow off of her back or something. Yeah, like and he's just really mean to everyone who comes in. Like yeah. I remember, there's a funny thing. Scott yeah. Wolf comes in, yeah. and he's trying to be an action star, and he's right. like, "Yeah, he's like, oh, party of five foot two right. or something." And he's he making wants, fun of how short he is. And he wants no Wayans brothers, you know, no Keenan, no Damon. No right, right. I went to high school with Marlon Wayans. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah and he like we were t- he was supposed to be Richard Pryor. Right, right. Like 2010, he was going to be Richard Pryor in the movie. Oh, interesting. And then it fell apart. Oh, wow. Um, it's funny. I saw him at a reunion in 2010, and I was like, "What's going on?" He's like, oh, "I'm doing this movie when we Richard Pryor." I was like, "Jeez." <laughs> the um, but yeah, the action's one of the great, one of those great short-lived shows, like uh, like Police Squad. The yeah, Zucker yeah, Zucker the uh, Leslie Nielsen thing. Yeah, was that not on that long? That was only at six episodes. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Six oh, episodes. I remember. I remember seeing one of those episodes in college yeah. and being after I'd seen um, the. Uh, the Naked Gun yeah, movies, yeah. or the first one, which are not as good, and they're remaking those now. By the way, with I think Ed Helms or something. Ma- yeah. Oh my god! I, the vacation is I know. coming out. So the, right, anything, everything gets remade. Poltergeist is coming. That out. actually looks all right to me. Sam Raimi. Yeah, but the thing is, is like, is I it remember, Sam Raimi? I think so. Oh uh, my god! Oh, I mean, I feel like like they they play up the the clown doll. They the really do. I'm like, you know, I remember the whole house being scarier than the clown. In the I do remember the clown being pretty scary. Though. The clown's pretty scary, but he's just like a, a quick shot of like, oh look at that weird clown. Uh, He's like, yeah, he's basically like in that main scene where yeah. he kind of grabs the kid. And really, like, who has a clown doll like that? Like, I that's know. Just a movie Why would you just get Why rid of it? Why would you have it? a clown doll? Like, what exactly. 10-year-old, even in 1982, is like, 
Can I have that clown? And doll? he's terrified of it the whole movie. It's a creepy little thing, though. Yeah. No, it's really yeah, yeah exactly. But this not. summer, yeah, <laughs> you got that. You got Mad Max, Fury Road. You yeah. Got Jurassic right. World. You got a lot of a lot of remakes. Do you, uh, what, what's what's one of the best movies you've seen late in this last year? What would you say? Is um, your... I mean, I mean, in the last like five months. So five for, months. In the last five right. months. Um, Oh, now you caught me. I don't. I don't even know if I've seen anything that's really great. I mean, I think while we were young is a drama, but let me try and think of something that's, uh, that's yeah, like it's a, a it's huge it's action movie, or at least a, big, like a bigger budget movie, which is anything that's right, which is something. Just anything movies. you like. Um, like, uh, well, let me, let me try and think of th- and, and ask your opinion of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I see ten things a week, so it all sort of blurs after a while. Yeah, that must get hard. It does. Yeah. I'm trying to think what I've seen recently. What have you seen? Have you liked? What did you? What? What? What sort of surprised you? Did you see something that you thought, oh, I thought that was going to be junk? It Follows did kind yeah. of surprise me because I was like, I had kind of heard about it. The thing yeah. that, uh, that It Follows is that I was surprised, but I found out it cost $2 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's not that much. I mean, it's. Not- it isn't, but I was like, I thought it was like 100000 <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. but I was like, $2 million. Oh, right. you had it's some the, money. Right. Um, but it's sort of like, I mean, people remember El Mariachi and things like that that cost like 600000 or something. So, I mean, like back in 1991, you could, I think you still need $2 Wait, million. didn't El Mariachi cost like ten grand or something? I don't know. I, I, no, I think. I think it was less than that. I think yeah, I feel like it was less because he put it all like on his credit card. Yeah, he made it for like yeah. nothing. He did like everything. Yeah, um, I'm t- there. Well, I'm trying to think what I've seen because I do see a lot of movies. I have yeah. that card where I can go see movies. A non like a cool movie yeah. pass, thirty five dollars yeah, yeah, yeah. a month. Um, <sighs> Let me ask you this: What have, have you seen anything like in it? Because it's always a, a tricky thing if you see something in an empty theater, like in the middle of the day, right? And you think. You know why are they even playing this? And or if but if you go in the middle of the day and you see it and there's a crowd there, that sort of says something. You know, like right, right. I um I saw Get Hard yeah. last week and I thought it was horrible. So that's the Will Ferrell movie we're talking about, like Trading Places. Yeah, it's really it's you know Will it's Ferrell really bad. Is one of those guys who he, like t- he, there can be too much of a good thing, and I think Will Ferrell. It, there's been too much lately of him doing stuff like that. And I feel like he can't save the movie. I think no. he's funny, but he can't. I think, you know, not to go, but no. I think Kevin Hart is no. not funny no. at all. I, th- I think he's okay. I think I can, I can deal with him in small doses. Um, I mean, but Anchorman 2 was terrible also. Yeah, that was horrid. And that, like, like uh, Hot Tub Time Machine, it makes you, like, really not appreciate, it makes you say, like, you know what, why did I appreciate the first movie? So, But the first Anchorman is funny. The first Anchorman really Well, the off. first Hot Tub Time Machine is funny because it's, like, such a ridiculous thing. Right. And it's, like, they they know it's absurd yeah. and stupid. It's high concept and stupid. Yeah. And they Anchorman kind of, 2 uh, is, Anchorman. Uh, is terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, get Hart. Kevin Hart, I think, is very likable, very charismatic. Yeah. And, like, I know what, see why people like him but if i like eddie i'm comparing him to like eddie murphy when he was eddie murphy was just hilarious in these movies like so funny yeah kevin hart in get hard does not just do one thing that i thought was funny he just talks fast he keeps talking he doesn't have any subtlety he's always kind of like trying it's like he's trying to be funny all the time it's just not i i I just don't think there's anything inherently funny about him. You know what's what's interesting is the it's sort of the the flip side of what we were just saying, where where you can't imagine like Night Shift without Michael Keaton or something like that. If a movie like this, like Get Hard, comes around and you think, boy, this could anybody could play this role, yeah, that's the that's the other bad sign. Where you just I say, think like, I would have been funnier in you, that you part. Probably would have been. You could, you could have played that role. <laughs> no, but I mean, like I I know it's supposed to be a black guy, right, but right. like. <laughs> You There's could just change that. I'm trying to think yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> no one would have been offended be... by it. Right. Um <laughs> Like I, I don't know. I just there's no like subtlety to his. I, it's one of those things you can't you can't really explain. Like Eddie Murphy, yeah. you can't explain why he's so funny in these movies. Right. But like 
Well, there's a danger to Eddie Murphy too, which I think I think people yeah, um, there is actually those early eighties, you know, forty eight hours and Trading Places. Like he's sort of in the. I feel like when you watch those movies, like you're you're sort of not sure is he is he going to be the funny guy or is he going to be sort of like somebody who's going to kind of come at you in a, right. in, a, in, a, in a in a funny way, but in a way that the Dan Aykroyd character should be a little bit you know kind of right. wary of. And we're with Eddie Murphy. We want to we want him to do whatever he's going to do. We're not with Dan Aykroyd. You know? Right. We're, right. With, we're with Eddie Murphy, but we want to sort of understand why Dan Aykroyd would keep him at arm's length. And also and that's interesting. And Dan Aykroyd's not funny either in movies. I don't think. Yeah, which is why he's done dramas for the last like twenty five years. Right? And yeah. so yeah. Eddie Murphy is the, the funny part of that movie. Isn't it strange that Dan Aykroyd is not funny in movies? I mean... I, and I've read... I remember, reading, I remember reading an article years ago about that. Someone made a whole article about how they went through every movie he's in and yeah. he's not funny in them. But you, I, but you know what? The Three Stooges need need you know, Larry or they need Shemp. I actually, yeah. I'm a big Larry Fine fan out of the, out of the Three Stooges. You, you, right, right. You know. But I feel, you know, or, or Zeppo, Marks. You need Zeppo, Marks. So I guess if you're going to do Ghostbusters, you need... Yeah, you know, exactly. They can't all be Bill Murray. They can't all be Bill Murray, right? Um, with the late Harold Ramsey. So Dan Aykroyd's right. kind of like funny-ish enough. Right. Like the, in Training Places, he has some funny parts because he's the over-the-top, white, right. you know, snobby Patrician guy. Patrician snobby He's guy. Like, he can do that, um, yes. Like, Will Ferrell the, tries to be in Get Hard. Yeah, he yeah. does. He, he does. doesn't do it, though. It's, and, Kev, well. and, and it's like Kevin Hart's playing Eddie Murphy at, with not being funny. Right. And with right. no edge yeah. to him. That's right. That's You're just right. like, oh, this is a really nice, likable yeah. guy. Right. Yeah, Training Places. I, I, like, I can even remember parts in Training Places that... Where Eddie Murphy, it, he seems to be doing nothing, yeah. and he's so he's funny, funny in it. Like, um, yeah. there's a part when, um, like, uh, what, do you remember he's like in the jail cell yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's like bragging yeah, yeah, about? Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. The, my limo. You know, right, they, right, they, right, they, right, right, right. The cops, right. You know, like, uh, and they're like, you know, he's he's talking about beat up all the cops. They're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. when you came in, you you were crying. Right, like, right, he's like, that's because they yeah. they use tear gas on right, me. Right. <laughs> And then like it's these huge guys, and That's they right. like they uh, get they get up, and he's like, "Do you guys don't you don't even know? Right. He's like, you better sit down." Right, and then right, they right. lift him up, right, right, right. And he's like, "Do you even know who you fucking with?" Like, it's a really funny moment because he's so like small, yeah. and they're gonna beat the shit out of him. He's just like yeah. still like you don't even know who you're fucking with. And it's uh, for some reason like that moment I, I can't even explain, but he's so funny. Like, yeah. But, but then, but then, you know, subsequently, even in the '80s, like movies like Best Defense, or oh. uh, which is horrible, or uh, you know, obviously Beverly Hills Cop is great in, but Beverly Hills Cop Two sort of seems like a right. little bit. It's a really kind of flabby kind of comedy. And then, and then, obviously, like you go up upwards to Daddy Daycare and the Haunted Mansion or whatever. I mean, right, right. Age and success, and 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 not necessarily having to to be so hungry. Right, right. Can change a. a a comedian yeah, totally. persona and, and things that, yeah. change yeah. the times change yeah and um because he did go through a time where he was doing really bad movies and then he kind of came back with um nutty professor yeah 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 which is okay I yeah don't mind pretty good. he's funny yeah. in that yeah um but yeah like trading plate yeah, yeah. I, I think that's one of his funniest right part, like, Let me, what, what have you laughed at the most in the last like Four years, five years. Jeez, what really have funny. I seen that's like really funny that in the last really i feel it. like uh Nothing. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I'm a really hard laugh. Yeah, yeah me too. I don't. Uh, very few comedies really get me. I thought this is the end was funny. Yeah, I thought that had some really funny parts. That's okay. Yeah. Did you, you know what? I, you know did what? You I, like neighbors? Did you see neighbors? It was all right. Yeah, was I thought it was. Yeah. It was like eh. I, yeah. I, the thing with them now is like 
they do so many movies now yeah. that yeah. like you can see that they haven't completely yeah. finished the idea. No. They're like, here it is, let's do it. Here it is, it's done. Yeah. Um, I thought this is forty was a lot better than I thought it would be. Yeah, I didn't like that. I felt like it, it seemed to me like it was so up its own, you know, up its own ass. It, it really felt to me like a, a movie that. Um, it, it, it was only be, it's sort of like funny people was it was only being made for itself and so yeah ways. And I obviously didn't, you know people connected to it in some ways but I didn't like funny people that much me neither and I like the forty year old virgin I thought that, that yeah is of all those Apatow films I think that that one really yeah that's the one that that works for me and have you heard anything about train train wreck I haven't I it, it's they some bits of it were at South by Southwest and I've heard mixed things on it, but I also heard some people liked it. Yeah, I've read decent yeah. reviews. Yeah. I, Amy Schumer's another comedian I kind of came up with. Yeah, so it might be too early yet to tell, you know, and it might be, and I, he, he really obviously, Apatow really fosters like a good relationship with people, so if it, if it, if he gels with Right, Schumer is one thing. I don't think he gelled at all with Adam Sandler. He didn't gel with he really. With Seth Ro- I don't think so. So that's why funny people didn't work. I liked Knocked Up a lot. Um, I like Knocked Up when yeah. I first saw it. I really loved it. Um, so of course, there's the great thing of why would Catherine Hagel ever be with Seth Rogen? But I feel like that's yeah, a, exactly. A that everybody has, yeah. Even though they really played up that he's ugly in that, yeah. but he really wasn't that bad. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Like yeah, that's a good point. Like I don't know what I, and especially the more I get older and the more I've seen, the, the yeah. more jaded I am about comedies. Yeah. Like I'm just like, yeah. Like there are movies that I'll always like. Animal House is a movie that yeah. I'll always like. It was always on last back. night. Yeah. I always turn it on. Turn on. And there's yeah. parts that are just like, like right. that. Uh, the Tim Matheson yeah. in that yeah, movie yeah, yeah, is yeah, yeah. so like amazing. Yes. He's another one that I'm like, and he never was funny no. ever again. Well, he was also he wasn't really a comedic actor, so kind of having him do something like that, you know, Peter Riegert's another one, you know, yeah. having, like those guys, you know, even though he's not as funny to me in it. No, no, but I mean, but they're but they're yeah. not they're not they just got actors, comics. yeah, they got is, good actors, which to is be why in Diner it. is such a great movie. Too. Right, Diner right. is so funny because these guys movie. aren't comics except for I guess Steve Gutenberg could you could or um, no what Paul Reiser and Paul Reiser was like the first thing oh, he he's ever great did. in there. He's so funny. Nuance. Remember his thing about nu- I don't. I don't like the word nuance. He says it. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't. I don't trust it. I don't trust. It. I like the word gesture. He says gesture. You know where you stand. Yeah, and he. Um, and I, I, you can tell they brought him in. I think I've even read this because like he had these like improv comedic chops, so yeah. he knew that. Barry Levinson knew because Barry Levinson was a comic. Yeah, and you know, and those that, there's a, that sort of trilogy, unofficial trilogy of films of Diner, Avalon, Avalon's the last one. Tin, Tin Men is the middle. Like they're yeah. really great altogether. Tin Men's like the weakest of all of them, right? But as as sort of like three movies that really all hang together so beautifully. Like they're kind of about like Baltimore. And, yeah, 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 Baltimore guys in the in the fifties and sixties. Yeah, Diner is definitely the best yeah, one. Um, Mickey great. Rourke is yeah. great in that. They're all Kevin Bacon is awesome in it. Um, I'm trying to that. That's a really good question. I'm trying to think of what i've seen like if you can't it's almost like one of those if you can't remember can like, you oh, think of any like a comedy in the last like five years <sighs> no that... i really i mean to be honest like the last five years have been i think that's it's a really bad time for for comedic films right now generally because i think that they're very episodic or they're very um formulaic yeah so it's very like like it's, it's just it's it's like this is the end where it's like oh here now they're fighting yeah. a demon in this house or now they're all laughing in james franco's house or it's it's formulaic to things like unfinished business or Get that was just awful. Yeah, yeah the, this is the end. I, I I really liked it. Then I saw it again. I yeah. didn't like it as much. Which is which is to come back to the interview. Which is one of the things about the interview that I will give it credit for. Which is that it 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 took the idea of like a high concept thing and it sort of tweaked it enough that it was that it made it engaging and that it made it like you wanted to see what would happen because yeah in in, a, in any comedy I think you have to. Are you, is it going to up the ante? Are you going to want to see what happens? Or are you just going to wait for the next joke? Right. And I think if you're just waiting for the next joke, all you're doing is killing time. If you really have 
a curiosity about how this thing is going to happen. What what is going to happen to these these characters? And it'll will hopefully wind up to be funny. But if your engagement with that level, it's already got you halfway. Right, right. It's, right. it's already got me halfway. I'm yeah. trying to think. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> I mean, like another big comedy I like in the last like 15 years, Kingpin is really funny. Oh, I like Kingpin a lot. Yeah, yeah that's my the, favorite Fairly Brothers film. And those yeah. guys fucking lost it fast. They lost it fast. But boy, <laughs> would, there's something about me. I was at Internet that Weekly that when movie, there's something I about would, Mary came out, and it was a such remember such a huge thing. In God, I love yeah. that. When I remember seeing that when yeah. it came out in the theater, being like yeah. blown away yeah. by it. I um, like it too. But I think Kingpin is funnier. Kingpin's first, yeah. really funny. Yeah. And Kingpin. I no. hated Kingpin when I first saw it. Oh, now you? I love it. I didn't get it. It was like cuz yeah. the hue it was different. Yeah. It yeah. was a changing of comedy. Yeah. And I was like what is this? And then yeah. I realized I'm like oh it's like everything is a crazy joke. That's right. Have you seen their last few things? Have you seen uh, No, like Hall Pass? Yeah, or or um I mean did you see the Three Stooges which is Did they make that? Yeah, that was them. No. Was I saw strange. like the Heartbreak Kid I mean, yeah, it was all right. Bad remake. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Actually, that's a really good. Like, I hate those like Harold and Kumar movies. Yeah, I, don't I don't think like the a, a lot of mo- you know what I loved at the time, and I st- or Zoolander. I, have you seen? I mean, I love I mean, Zoolander. Too, I like, no. I, you know what? I, you know what I love. <laughs> Is MacGruber? Have you seen that? I have. I did love <laughs> MacGruber. I, I, you know, I'm not a Saturday Night Live guy. I feel like Saturday Night Live. I mean, and there's funny stuff about it. I just don't. It doesn't click with me yeah. anymore. I just feel like everyone watches it because they kind of have to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that character, like, I didn't, I didn't click with that with that movie or that. Character, I really liked, I, it. and that it? was a movie that I didn't really, I didn't like that skit on yeah. SNL. Yeah. I didn't expect anything from it. Right. I was like, what? Is, I just yeah. saw because it, it was yeah. playing. Yeah. And, um, I think I think it's really funny, and yeah. I and Zoolander I think is classic I think so too. too. I, that's one I can watch now and still think is really really. And they're funny. doing another one, which is great. Which is yeah. probably going to be bad. Probably going to be bad, but you never know. I actually I like Ben Stiller a lot. I think Ben Stiller has got. I mean, he he is to my mind the the you know the true artist of angry funny like you know right. the, the the whole thing of like i mean he's he, did you ever see mystery men which actually with Jimmy yeah Ruff, i saw it, yeah it's pretty good it's pretty good a lot of people don't like it and it's very strange below that but he plays a character in there called mr furious and the whole idea that he is mr furious is to me the the perfect epitome like every character he plays could be called mr furious right right and i and i, th- I always find that very funny he even did that like on friends his character he was a, he played oh, one right. of jennifer Aniston's yeah, boyfriends right. and he just kept getting mad at everyone i remember that that's like right, when she yeah. wasn't around yeah, and they'd yeah, be like yeah. you know he really is like angry and she was like i really know and then she finally yeah. sees him get angry tv has sort of changed i think film comedy too because obviously like the funniest things on tv stuff like the louis show and, yeah yeah and i feel curb, like it's yeah know. like the it will yeah. curb your enthusiasm yeah. is definitely one of the best things yeah. uh yeah i think that's what it is i think movie comedies um I'll, for the most part are not that good i think it's because there's too many people involved i think too many producers are like because yeah. i've written for some shows and yeah. stuff and then like producers will come in and they're like change this yeah, do that and it's yeah. just like eight people yeah. giving notes and then yeah. it's just not funny anymore and and there has to be an immediacy to it i think that i think comedy has to, i mean a lot of films i think you could say this about but comedy more than anything has to sort of feel of the moment right and tv obviously can do that so much faster and so comedies i mean it takes you know it's eight months to to 12 months to make and edit a movie and get it in post-production and everything so so if you film something in in december and it doesn't come out until Right, August or September, uh, you know, the, the 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 temperature of the room sort of changes a little bit. Yeah, and I think that comedy can do that faster. And I think that I mean, TV can do that faster with comedy. And I think that comedy now in film feels stale much faster. Yeah, I so, guess yeah. that's true. And I like Louis. I love Louis C.K. stand up. I don't like that show that yeah. much. Yeah. Um, is there another comedy show? 
real quick on TV that um, that a lot of people are are sort of what are about. the I don't watch as do you much watch TV. Shameless I, I've seen some Shameless episodes I think it's okay I think you it's know, pretty fun even though yeah. it's not completely a comedy but it has right. funny parts right. um, I don't know you know because yeah obviously I'm really into comedy and I am trying to think of what I even like anymore yeah. um, that's I guess that's what's such a bummer with movies like you I go see comedies and I'm just like eh, like unfinished business I was like horrified by right, right. that they made and then now it's like a lot of just the same dudes in every movie. Right. Yeah. Do you have to, all right, we have to get. I'm gonna it. head out a little bit. Okay. We could obviously keep going on this though. Yeah, yeah. This is gonna be like a 24 hour podcast. I know, I know. Great. Yeah, you should come back. Beam again, it off into please. Space. Happily, absolutely. I'll be here anytime. Um, okay, I'm gonna wrap this up. Uh, Joe Newmeyer, thanks for coming. My pleasure, Tom. Thank you. I'll be here. Chief anytime. critic of the New York Daily News and critic on WOR Radio. That's it. Uh, and this was good. The coffee was good. Yeah, yeah. Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin Donuts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I okay. Yeah. Please uh, tune in next time this and uh, watch Adventures in Comedy. Okay. Bye bye. Thanks. Last exit to Brooklyn. Yo. 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 It's TMC Izzle in the hizzle, getting bizzle on the mizzle. For shizzle, it's crizzle. I rap like gizzle, I'm better than Izzle, and also kizzle. I'm the grizzle, this shit is too e-izzle. For me, Izzle, I mastered the art of rhyming, bitch Izzles. You just add Izzle to the syllabizzle, then put it to a tizzle and watch the cash Izzle pile Izzle. I'm the best MC Izzle, I'm universal Izzle. I'm just like bacon. I sizzle, izzle, this shit is too e-izzle It's easy to rhyme, no big dizzle Just add izzle, that's full shizzle Rapping made easy by TMC Izzle It's easy to rhyme, no big dizzle Just add izzle, that's full shizzle Rapping made easy by TMC Izzle I'm so good at rhyming izzle The next stop is the Grammy Izzles to pick up an award? Izzle for best grizzle of the yizzle. Even beat out Miley Cyrus Izzle. Then I jizzle on her tizzles. Thank Gizzle for Izzle. I used to have a hard time with word Izzles. Now no more thesaurus Izzle for Rizzle. Now I just slizzle. 32 bars in just one mizzle. A freestyle off of the dizzle. Drizzle, rizzle, grizzle, rizzle. Rapping is more simple. Izzle. It's easy to rhyme, no big dizzle Just add izzle, that's full shizzle Rapping made easy by TMC Izzle It's easy to rhyme, no big dizzle Just add izzle, that's full shizzle Rapping made easy by TMC Izzle Izzle